From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Hiya! Tonight it's episode 62 and we are talking about science fiction film Edge of Tomorrow. It came out in 2014. In tonight's episode we will reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative, plus the film language... And then a deep dive into a specific piece of science that Surrey likes that the filmmakers are proposing as well in Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow was directed by Doug Lyman. I don't actually know. Or is Lemon? it Lemon? Lyman? <laughs> Lyman Lemon. I, I really thought D- about this. Doug, one. get in touch and let us know. I know. Get in touch, Doug. Or Tom. Tom. Tom is the star of this uh, film. I keep trying to book Tom Cruise, but he keeps having this thing come up. I think it's called everything else in his life <laughs> yeah or, or emily m m I, you know, I saw her husband john Kran, kranzinski called her m so maybe m just wants to get in contact uh, with no, us well i know her as blunto blunto jeez blunto that was back in the day down well, the back, servo. In that, back in that pub <laughs> down the servo we had got a uh, sort of sanger and his Snag sandwich. Fair enough. Okay. Well, if sorry, you know, you know, Blunto, get her involved and correct us on Doug's name. They might both be like, who's Doug? <laughs> um, this was written by a couple of uh, uh, different screenplay writers. We've got Christopher Macquarie, Jez Butterworth, and then John Henry Butterworth. I'm presuming they're brothers or. Butto's. The Buttos, and then it was also based on the novel, uh, I can't read that now, sorry. All you need is kill. By Hiroshi Sakazaka. I do like that title, <laughs> All You Need Is Kill. So it's a Japanese uh, author uh, back in about 2001, I believe, by memory, and he wrote that novel, and that's where it was. It was optioned. Like, it was one of these things you look online. Like It was optioned very quickly by producers, and uh, you know, it took a few years to get finally made into a screenplay, but automatically that novel was like picked up. Well, I liked re- it. I reckon it was the title. That title is just, I did that little sing-songy bit because it just sounds, it's the Beatles, all you need is love. But, yeah. But you could also, sort of, you know, all you need is hate, but kill is such a, a mm, very fast ending word. That's just, it's all you need is kill. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. Okay, it's, sorry, I'm going to now reveal everything about this film. So I'm about to say it. So let's just talk about all oh, the spoiler oh, warning. Jeez, oh, come on. Okay. Okay, turn back. If you haven't seen this film, turn Cut back. Cut me off. Turn back now and watch it. And then, like, you know, get back to this point here. And if you succeed in continuing on, <laughs> fine. But if you don't, you're going back again. 
Oh, did I just spoil it? Warning, warning. Warning, 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 warning. Well, as Sari just said, this film uh, is about a soldier that goes into battle. When a soldier goes into battle, and a soldier goes into battle, when a soldier goes into battle, and then he wakes up and he's about to go into battle, and he wakes... Okay, you get the gist. Mm. <laughs> it's a time loop movie. I love these kind of movies. Do you remember... Groundhog Day. Do you remember? When did you I see that at the movies? Groundhog Day. I saw Day? it. I've seen it several times. Yeah, no, but did you see it like on the big did screen when it came it? out no, I didn't in the really early nineties? Did it. you realize what you were watching when I did, you watched Groundhog I didn't Day? Make, I, just the very title on the poster. It didn't make <laughs> me go to the cinema. No, no, not even Bill Murray. Jeez. No, I don't. I don't. See Who this are you? I don't see that sort of film in the cinema. I saw it on a TV. I don't know who he is. Turn away now. Tune into my podcast <laughs> on the side. Space Brain, okay? Space Brain is coming soon. No sorries allowed, okay? So tell me, about this, tell me about this soldier <laughs> who goes into battle multiple times. Yeah, okay. So basically, um, and I, I, the way I described this was it's like an incapable, cowardly captain, major, soldier, major, whatever the hell he is, I don't know. Major Cage. <laughs> major um, is forced into like a D-Day because this film really references oh, D-Day. So we're going to come back to that. Big time. Yeah, it's big time. Uh, into a D-Day version of an alien invasion uh, on the French uh, beaches uh, as a grunt soldier for disobeying the general. General. Uh, but when he is killed by a special sort of alien in the battle, he dies and then awakens again in this time loop scenario to live the battle over and 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 over again. And again? Yes. And again. Constantly. So that's my synopsis. The version on IMDb is a bit different, but that's my version of the film. Sorry. Uh, I'm done for tonight. I'm done. Yeah. I'm leaving. Bye. You could say... See ya. It's a, it's a coming-of-age story set to the backdrop of a world gone mad in the grips of a vicious war. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. And the the thing is, don't you feel that this film was almost like a um, computer game? Like the way it was kind of this, it, that it way was. that that was I, rolled out. Like I think I if you go back it, to think gr- of that, but yeah. when you go back to like Groundhog Day, it's it doesn't feel like a computer game. But when I watched this, it was it it felt like we were we could have almost been controlling little Tommy Cruise it, and like you know that's like oh have another go and have another go and have another go you know and that's just that sort of it's because it's so epic and so big in, and so in the gaming world it's called save spamming. Okay, well, there you go. Where where you basically save the game just before a hard bit and you do it when you fail. You learn that extra little bit of the, the pattern that the boss monster uses. Yeah, that's right. That's and then right. you do it a little bit further and mm. a little bit further and maybe you get one more step in so you do another save point and then you you, you keep, you get through the game just basically by save spamming. Because like did you... Saving, re- reloading, saving, re- reloading until you get past each part. Yeah, that's right. And because you notice that there's a couple of points in this film where he, he kind of... Uh, Cage, which is the character played by Tom Cruise, he, he goes, we don't get any further. You know, how, how do you get any further? And it's kind of almost like he has to think laterally or think outside the box, which is very computer game. It's like saying, oh, hang on, hang on. If I don't have to save her... I could go another path. And I, oh, I never realized that, you know? And that's what computer games are like, in my mind. Yeah, I, Correct I me make... if I'm wrong. What was your number one takeaway, sorry, number from one takeaway, Edge of Tomorrow? 
Bill Paxton is yeah. amazing. <laughs> He's always he? amazing. And this he? is the second movie of Terminator. We saw him. He was a little we bit did. part. This one, he's got a small role. Tiny role in Bill, but in Terminator. He's, he's so good in this. He's much, much bigger role in this. He's so good in this. And we are going to see more of his films. He appears in at least one other fantastic science fiction film that I he know does. of. He does. Which yeah, is having a his 35th birthday this year, in fact. Aliens. Ooh. Yes. He's Hudson. He's Hicks. That's Hudson. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, the, yeah, the thing with him is in this film, it doesn't kind of look like Bill Paxton. No, when he like, first came in and said, you know, so soldier, I'll take over from here. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'm I'll Kentucky. Take Kentucky I'll take over from here. I'm from Science Hill in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, Kentucky? Tennessee? I yeah, don't it's know. Kentucky. It's Kentucky. Kentucky. God knows. Kentucky. Kentucky. <laughs> don't know, don't care. No. Yeah, so I was just a little bit fooled at first going, is that, that him? Because he does have a, a strong Texan accent, as I yeah. understand it. And yeah, so but it was it was very good. He has his little speech that he gives and his facial expressions oh, and his brilliant. body language. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Wonderful. Died too early. He Way had too a few early. more great movies in him, I'm sure. Oh, I think so. Many, many more. But it's it's the same as and this film references full metal jacket. Yes. Right? Do you notice did you notice the reference on the bus? No. Full metal oh, bitch. Oh, metal bitch. Yeah, okay. I'll switch off. <laughs> In referencing your old mate, Blunto, yeah. right? Like, And I saw that and because they keep showing it. And and this film does do a bit of full metal jacket, which is like, you know, these soldiers are kind of like stuck in this war zone, this battle. And in this case, in the sci-fi version, it's a time loop. In Full Metal Jacket, they're just in this hellish. You know, they're stuck camp, in the battle. Yeah. You know, they but there, but there's there's the other reference, right? Like in yeah, it's the boot camp. It's the major in Full Metal Jacket is just this real up your ass. You know, like not re- uh, unrelenting major training guy. And I've seen some other stuff about that. Go check that actor out. He's amazing. He was actually a military general. He was a drill sergeant. Yeah, yeah. he was a drill sergeant. Like it's incredible that. Kubrick picked him. I saw a whole well, thing He about was, that. yeah, originally just the, you know, uh, technical advisor technical to advisor. help the boot camp <laughs> drill instructor act to do it. And but Kubrick was Kubrick like, no. Kubrick saw him doing it just went, no, nah, you can't You're the fake guy. That. You can't fake it. <laughs> yeah, so Paxton, I think, definitely uh, conjures up a bit of him, doesn't oh, he? Yeah, like, so yeah. I just, when he, yeah, when he enters in and he just... He takes control of it's hard to do with Tom Cruise there, yeah, yeah, that's but he right. does take control of those mm. scenes and leads them through very strongly. And especially this Tom Cruise, because um, the character of Cage is uh, that uh, that's why in my synopsis it's it, it's almost like at the start of the film, you know, you talk about like six problems, like mm. you know, for the character. This guy is he's incapable. And he admits he's incapable. And he's a little and bit he's, pathetic too. He's a, he's a bit pathetic. He's a, he's a coward. Uh, he doesn't actually know how to use a weapon. Um, so when he comes up against Bill Ca- uh, Paxton's character Farrell, um, he's he almost like tries to out talk him because that's his strength. And Bill Paxton's character doesn't. He he dismisses him. He still takes control his, of him. So his strength is that he has heard every <laughs> bullshit line, every out line there. out there. And and also, I think just that's a drill sergeant, right? Like a drill sergeant knows all of those lines to kind of ram them down. And um and I thought that. And before we get into kind of some of the nitty gritty, it was pretty cool in this film that 
we're at Heathrow in that scene. So the Heathrow airport's been overtaken. It's now a military base. But we have those American parts of it, right? So Tom Cruise. Yes. We have Bill Paxton, the Kentucky, you know? Kentucky. And they, they even joke about the towns they come from in that opening uh, conversation. But then the grunts are British and Australians. Yes. Like, and, and so it's a real contrasting, uh, the J squad, as they call them, like they're, they're not the Americans. Like it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think this film without going into like heavy thematic version, because when we get to the midpoint of this film, we, we have that conversation about the British in the pub say the Americans didn't want to come and save us, you know, like, and, and Tom Cruise is sitting there in the bar. And by this point we're on his side cause he's fought the battle many times, yeah. but the old British men having the beers are saying, Oh, those Yanks didn't want to come and save us, you know, in World War II, you know, my grandpa did this and, or my dad, or whatever. Yeah, his grandpa, like, yeah. grandpa, you know, and and it's true, right? Like what they're talking about is true. And he's a yang, he's an American sitting there having to put up with this sort of shit in the background. Um, and so I don't know. There's a bit of an underlining thing in this film of the British and the Americans, and maybe the Australians playing a little bit of another role that wasn't celebrated. Well, I think it's also the you know? a, a bit of a play for that concept of the dirty dozen, mm. which. Is obviously used in the movie Dirty Dozen, but it's uh, yeah, it's any of these band of misfits, yeah, sort yeah, of you yeah. Know. I mean, I think that's the easy, that's the that's the logical thing. Like as an audience, we want, we want. I mean, how many of these sort of military is the fat guy, right? Like, but does the fat guy really get in the military? Yeah, considering that, like I always do question 50, 50 push ups. Like, how does like, he do 50 push ups? 50 push ups is hard for a fit, strong, <laughs> like, healthy person. That's right. I can't do 50 push ups. Doing another 50 push ups. I can't push-ups. even do a podcast without breathing, you know? Like, like geez. The, the, I think it's the, the US Marine fitness test. I think the top of, you know, for, for mm, youngsters is yeah. 70. Yeah. Like, if you hit 70 push ups, you know, you, that's. You don't, yeah. don't bother doing anymore. You've you've reached it. They always say in these movies, like, oh, you gave me a bit more. F- another 50. It's like, geez, see. What, that fat guy has to do a hundred push-ups. Yeah, I mean, how does he do it? <laughs> Great, crazy. Like, and, and anyway, just, and, and there are, uh, yeah, I suppose the lack of discipline. But anyway, Mark, was this a hope, warning, or experiment? I see this one as a warning because it's a pure cautionary tale. In that, not an alien invasion. We, there's many, many tales about alien invasions, and that's not cautionary enough. But in this film, the whole point of the time loop is that you can't just fight fire with fire. And the human response, you know, since the caveman days is fire with fire, physicality with phys- You know, you want to fight me, sorry, you want to fight me, I'm bigger, I'm stronger. You know, I can do 50 push-ups. We always, we always <laughs> have a bit of a wrestling match before we start recording. That's right, like your bat is bigger than my bat. Oh, well, I've got a shotgun. Right, it's going to blow you away, you know. Like yeah, that, it's, you know, it's, this is a big bat. I'm talking about. <laughs> I know you've got a big bat. We all know you've got a big bat, right? But I've got a shotgun. Oh, it's just going to spray you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting, so, getting so back to, <laughs> moving off this analogy, <laughs> this analogy is not going the right way. The whole thing I want to say is like the alien species here, although they come across as like extremely physical, and it's like a D-Day battle zone like we expect us versus the Germans in World War Two, uh, their their, their uh, advancement is the fact that they can like reset time. They have 
They, they can say spam, <laughs> and we can't. So they can play a battle out and just go, oh, that didn't work, let's go back another day, right? Like, how amazing is that battle as a plan? Well, that, like, that reminds me that there's another sci-fi film, uh, oh, jeez, I can't remember what it's called, Yesterday, or Back in Time, or... Yeah, but, oh, just, it's got the got the twins from Harry Potter, the redhead guys. Uh, well, the Weasleys. Yes, yeah, so I can't. I can't remember. What, can't remember his name. That's what I always think of anyway. But in that one, it's it's about time travel. Like, mm, like this, mm-hmm. for some reason, not given members of male members of this family are able. Oh to, no, that's about time. about time. Yes, it's not the we. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's friend George. Oh, uh, yeah. But what's his name? Dominic Gleeson. Yeah, is the main actor. Right. Anyway, so he can go back in time, mm. and they, you know, that's it, a good movie. That one. We do up, need to do that movie. It ends up being, you know, the way to enjoy your life in in this is the first day. Just you know, really, uh, when you hit the day for the first time, sorry, just really, just enjoy it. Just yes, if there's something you want to say or do or experiment or whatever, just do it. at the end of the day, go back and now relive it, but like do it properly. Yeah, <laughs> do it in a way that will enhance your life on mm. for the next day yeah so that each day you live twice once just kind of carefree and fun and playful and to see what happens you know yeah, like yeah. take those risks yeah and then the next day do it you know yep. sensibly so that the next day is a good day yeah and it's kind of like this except with guns <laughs> this is like that with guns i suppose yeah definitely yeah do the battle have fun but then go back and start again and this time like actually win the die. battle <laughs> <laughs> Just like you did last time, but stop dying. But okay, I think I, so. That's where I see it as a um, like a warning because it's kind of like you can't just battle this alien species, which we've seen in many science fiction films. Yes, you know, like Nuclem, You know, like go back Independence Day. You know, like get up and charge up their main battles. Like instead, this film takes the take that. Well, no, this this alien species is superior to us in that they can construct time. So mm. they run a day and then if it doesn't quite work, the battle's not working. The best way to win the battle is like replay, like a chess move, you know, really. And so realistically, we are the opposition playing someone that is not on our same level. They're totally on I, a superior I would, level. I, would, I can see what you're saying there, but I was always thinking this one more of an experiment. Mm-hmm. It's... It's asking, you know, if we did come across some situation yep. that was unwinnable, it was perfect yes, because it had this perfect knowledge, um, could we take advantage of it? If we had that, what would we do? How would it work out? Mm, yeah, and okay. I, yeah. I see that. I saw it as a bit of experimental. But fair I, I play, like the, fair like play. Okay, we'll, we'll be fighting after this, after this uh, episode. Keep that, and I'll be keep that shotgun away. I don't want to be sprayed anymore. Yeah, I'll be spraying heart. everywhere. Okay, so let's talk a bit about the viewing experience. Like, have we seen this film before? What have we thought about it the first time? How we felt about it? Um, so, what was your first impression? Was this your first time watching this? This film? was not my first time. Yep. So, when did you watch it the first Un- time? Unsurprisingly, being a space no. brain, I watch a lot of science fiction movies. Correct. Even not just for space brains. What? This one here. You hussy. Jeez, did I watch this? When did you watch this film? I watched it with my wife. I trying to. I, Came out in 2014. 2014. Where was you I? You don't go to the movies. You've made that very clear tonight. No, I go to see this <laughs> movie at the movies. I don't go to see Bill. Lost in Translation scarred me. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, fair Dread, enough. Dreadfully, 
not okay, my style that, of that's film. That's not sci-fi. Let's keep on exactly. The so <laughs> I didn't know Groundhog Day had any of that sort of sort. But uh, yeah, so I watched it with my my wife. Let's pretend I went to the cinemas. Okay, uh, we can pretend because, because I, we I, know you didn't. I seem to think that I did. Uh, because I big don't, screen, yeah, I, I, big sound. It was it was big sound, big screen. Uh, I do like Tom Cruise's science fiction of late. Yeah, he's, he's, he does pick good seems to be doing writing good, and yeah. so forth. Um, and it it blew me away. Yeah, because I didn't analyze it at the time. You know, as a space brain, I've watched it and kind of had a bit more of an in depth analysis. But Correct. at the time, I didn't know what it was. But I came out of the film going that. That really just worked so well for me, mm, mm. and now I'm watching it this time. I, I thought a bit more about what it was, and, and I'm sure we'll get to. There's a couple of points in the film that I think work particularly well, mm. which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the watching it this time, I was watching it, and I wasn't sure if I was going to. You know, sometimes you rewatch a film, and mm. you you just go through the motions of rewatching it. Correct. Yeah. And this one, just like Oblivion, Tom Cruise's other one, we did. Yep. Uh, I was surprised at how enjoyable it is to watch a second time. Yeah. So, like, so relatively recently, you know, I watched it the second time and I, I felt that, you know, uh, engagement with Bill Paxton mm. and the humour of the, um, you know, the, the grunts. Yeah. And, and his efforts, some of his efforts in time looping, you know, where he, yeah. he, he tries to roll away from the push-ups and he gets squished. <laughs> and Bill Paxton was like, what would make a man do that? <laughs> and... Yeah, it's just yeah. I was really engaged and and mm. pulled along on this story, mm. and this time yeah, I was able to go ah, oh, that's that point there. That's the stakes just mm. rose then. Ah, he's made a personal growth moment here, mm. and here's this point here where you know the whatever's happened. Now yeah. we're in the end game moments. All of that really just falls together so well. So that that's my first and second impressions. Fair enough. A, Mark, how how the movie make you feel? Is that well, it's like you're describing it quite well there. Like, this movie is high octane. It's popcorn eating film, I reckon. Like mm. you sit there and you want to chomp away with the sound effects. That's but it, the way but I it has. Look a, at it. I think it also has enough uh, mind element to it, a philosophical element that that you can also totally walk yeah. away with that. And I think Luke Sparks said it when he was on here. He said mm. he he wants people to have a conversation after the film. Yeah. Like, I, I think the thing is, this film is one of those ones, and Occupation is actually, I think, a really good relative connection. Mm. So I'm glad you've just mentioned that. But it, it's it's like, to me, I, I reckon you can sit down with this film, and, and you said as well, like, second viewing, you could just go, oh, I know what's about to happen. But there's not enough entertainment, there's enough comedy, there's enough explosive moments there's enough changing of what they show us so you know that 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 description i said at the start as a bit of a joke tonight that there's a soldier going to battle a soldier going to battle like you could you can get bored with that that idea can get boring really quickly because in film we need as humans to kind of see something a bit visually different i I think especially everything's groundhog day as well as soon as you know oh this is a groundhog day yeah, because because that's what it's called now. Yeah, it's a Groundhog Day movie, right? So so in this, it's the exact same thing. Like so, in the first version, he goes through the motions, and we're all like, "Holy shit!" You know, these aliens and and the poor bugger's been like, you know, he's been sort of, you know, Bill Paxton. Everyone treating him 
as not the rank he should. So he's like he's he's now been forced into the underdog position. He doesn't even know how to fire a gun, and he's up against these massive aliens. And the action is so fast paced that the and I reckon that's a good trick of the filmmaking that your um, everything's moving so fast that as an audience we're mo- you know like it's hard to take it all in. But they know, and the filmmaker knew this. You can't in film just rinse and repeat. So when he goes back the second time, nice, everything changes. Nice reference you know, to his tagline. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that live, was it live, die, repeat. You yes. know, like, like, so everything can't be the same. It has to change. So even when it repeats, it changes. And, and I do want to talk about it and I'll come back to the narrative. So to me, this movie is extremely entertaining. Sit down, bag of popcorn um, or whatever that gets you kind of your float boating and pump the sound and just get ready for like a Tom Cruise roller coaster with aliens. Yes. <laughs> and but the great thing is like when you watch a narrative like this and I, I'll talk about this in a mo- in a few moments but it's like there is a specific name for this narrative like you Groundhog Day is the great reference but there's others that have done it since then but when you watch that and it's done properly this film does it properly. And I was not bored even on a second viewing and uh, I think you're exactly right there's enough trickery in the aliens and there's enough sort of thinking about what is going on i remember the first time i watched this i got a bit confused with the fact that he goes to the dam and then there's nothing at the dam and um so i remembered on this viewing straight away going oh the dam right like it came up like the fact that the aliens at the dam and then when he gets to the dam like oh the aliens not at the dam like it's so there's enough sort of trickery in the film mm. and what i mean by that is just movie magic you know like keeping us into interested and entertained and that you don't notice what the film's actually doing so you won't get bored on a second or even third viewing of this film no i don't i, I really don't think so and i think anyone into video games like it's kind of like you're almost just tom cruise in the video game. <laughs> so give it a whirl why is this film a science fiction film sorry that's a great great ponderance because there are a lot of films where you wonder if that i don't think anyone would dispute that this was no but 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 from a space brain perspective the way i look at it is is twofold one is does it explore uh some of element of you know fictionalized science or some sort of um extrapolation of science Mm. in uh as a integral part of its narrative and Mm. the other way of looking at it is if you pull that out, mm. would you be able to tell the same story? And okay. this story is basically just a D-Day invasion. So Saving yeah. Private Ryan or um, Inglourious, Inglourious Bastards, yeah, I guess, or... Dunkirk. Dunkirk, Lisa, Lisa, the, Christian the, Nolan. the Dirty Dozen is almost this same movie where yeah, they come land on the beaches and then they they have the special Gallipoli. elite core, core that has to go behind and do something special. Yeah. Right? You could... Tell that that movie, but in this one here, though, we've got this other element where the main character, his method of personal growth is through this time travel component. Mm. And the time travel component only works because you've got this special alien arrangement of the hive and so forth. And you can only explore the facets of this film or really tell a story by including those science fiction elements. Mm. Is This yeah. isn't just cops in space which is a danger of... I've seen a number of like TV shows. They, they tend to mm. 
die off in the first season because they're basically cops in space. And you sort of go, but this is just, yeah, you could just have it literally set in any city on Earth, yeah. take out the pew, pew, pew guns. Yep. And the same, like uh, Alien Mine was a an example of that. It was literally aliens arrived on Earth as refugees or something like that and they had a drug problem. And then it was just a cop show. But there's like, instead of having racial minorities, they had these aliens. Yeah. And as, as a stand-in, but everything else was identical. They even had drug problems. Hmm. Like, they didn't have a science fiction problem. Like, it wasn't like they had a, a time travel virus which would very, <laughs> you know, randomly send people back in time and then that would, like, cause future failures or something. You know, like, hmm. something yeah. really interesting. Wow, that's a good film. Like, let's yeah, that I know. One. That's right. That one but and that's and that's but if you look at shows like Doctor Who, it's so popular and so long lasting. I don't think there's a Doctor Who episode where you could take the science fiction out and actually tell that same story. You wouldn't no, be able to do it. No. Um, it's the same with the Star Trek ones. Like some of them seemed kind of a little bit ordinary, and some of them seemed a bit more far fetched. Mm. But in every one of those, you take the science fiction out, and you can't just tell the same story. Yeah, it's a funny. This is the same. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because it's not so much about because we've looked at films that they've really science the shit out of it. And then we've also looked at some films where the science is just implied. And it's a, in sci-fi, it's an interesting perspective that what makes this a sci-fi is this is the science, but yeah, straight away that, that is the two sides of it. You can have a film where the science is ultimately totally explained like replicates Um, or the beyond uh, versus then another film, like even like this one, the science is not completely explained. No. We're not explained why he completely wakes up. It's a magic potion It's something to do with his blood. Yeah, he got sprayed with alien blood and then therefore he has this time loop going on because he's kind of connected into the aliens. So as an audience, do we believe that? I personally think we do. Uh, and yeah, the character does, and to me, that's always like a connection in sci-fi. Is like it, it doesn't really have to be explained to the audience. It's more about the or, the character in the story believing the science. Yes, you know. So if the DeLorean travels back in time, it travels back in time. You know, like we don't. If the character can't can't kind of question it, well, we can't either. You no, know? exactly. So, and, and a lot of films you know, and stories fall a bit flat when there's some sort of mismatch between yeah. these things yes. where yeah, yeah. something is mysterious, but then some apparently authoritative source provides some sort of explanation which mm. isn't in in the universe. Correct. Yeah, it, yeah. It's sort of almost almost like it's breaking the fourth wall of believability. It's like it's like yeah, everyone's happily playing within these set of boundaries mm. and then something tries to sort of, oh no, I'm going to be technical about it, but it's not technical within the same boundaries. <laughs> and then it's just, you sort of get that moment where you, you cock your head a little bit and go, I, I don't... I've lost I don't what they're saying. I <laughs> don't get it. Something, something, yeah. something doesn't... No, that I don't see the connection here. Yeah. But as you said, this one here, yeah, if you get splattered and die in the blood of a blue alien, you become in a time loop. It's the rule, you know. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. gets reset when you die. Yeah. Uh, which, like, 
And, and of course, you lose that ability if you have a blood transfusion. That's the rules of the game. There's like, and you go, okay. And the, and also the alien will, will start hunting for you because yeah, it knows that you know too fortunately, much. Fortunately, nobody really, you know, there's even Noah Taylor there um, sitting there saying he's some quantum physics expert. Now he's yeah. a mechanic, which is a, a peculiar <laughs> crossover Change. because I would suggest that a lot of quantum physics experts probably aren't especially good mechanics. No. Like they might but but probably not. No, there's no crossover. No, like, there's no crossover. Qu- quantum mechanics has the word mechanic in it. Yeah, but it's not the same sort of mechanics as. It's as close enough in Hollywood, sorry. It's close enough but in Hollywood. Even he sort of, you know, I'm an expert in their biology. Which sort of go, how expert could you be considering how badly you're losing this war? Yeah, but yeah. anyway, he doesn't provide anything outside of the same scope of you're keyed into the central nervous system yeah. of the aliens, and you kind of go, that's that that's. He's an expert, and that's what he's told us that it is. So that's yeah. what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And so, if if you start running around yelling that to people, you're going to be put in a loony bin. So well, don't, yes, fair don't, enough. Don't, because, don't tell anyone else. Well, that's a nice touch as well. <laughs> because it's like, why didn't you tell everyone else? It's because none of that makes any goddamn sense. No, it doesn't. Which gives them a little output there. Because if you were trying to analyze this film as a, a hardcore scientist, you'd be going, none of this makes any damn sense. That guy's you would, crazy. You would document it and see what the side effects are and then and yeah. then tell those documents to other scientists. So what about any science-related or science fiction-related stuff that you're up to, sorry? Uh, yeah, I, I'm getting back to trying to put that little short movie together. Yep. Uh, I've got a script for a short um, film experiment that Space Brands will be doing. Okay. Uh, we'll Ooh, see what that is. It's not a short film. It is a short video oh, piece of entertainment. Disappointing me. I was getting excited. I was taking my jacket off. Um, but, you know, the other exciting thing I've been doing is I've been helping my wife set up to launch her business, Ooh, which has hello. nothing to do with science fiction. Hello, hello. Everything to do with skateboards. Okay. Cool. Hoverboards. Like if I could manage to get a hoverboard in there, then you know, like, I'll do, I'll do there's it. so many jokes online about hoverboards, and then there's people, that, there's like guys on online that you can look them up. They have hoverboards now, you know, yeah, like so they have versions of hoverboards. They've got like the superconducting magnets, yeah, and all sorts all of things, fan jets, and all. And sorts. then at the same time, there's the jokes of like, there's no hoverboards. It really isn't. Come on, there's not. It's not. Uh, so, what about you? You got some sci-fi stuff. You got a bit of uh, film recognition. Yeah, it's just the the memory, which I've talked about many times, is about to come out online. Having some awards won, um, some recognition that way, which is awesome. Harold, which I've talked about as well, Harold the Plumber. That's in the editing process. Um, so, yeah, in terms of film, not so much sci-fi, but in terms of film, things are ticking along in a pretty exciting way. Um, and also our film festival, sorry, the Space Brain Sci-Fi Film Festival is popping along. It's a scintillating explosion of science fiction films. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> it will knock your socks off or make you speechless. Tom Cruise may or may not be there. He Let's may. just say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Tom Cruise laugh that... I'm impressing. You know, he goes, well, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, he does yeah. that little explosive. I know, he does. It's very effective. It's a little bit weird, but still very effective. It's weird when you do it. It's, it is weird. <laughs> it's not I, as weird when he does I'm it. I'm not so spontaneous. So he that. may or may not there. Your old mate, Blunto, might be there. 
John Krasinski, who's got nothing to do with sci-fi, but, you know, Blunto's husband might be there. You know, these are just all mites and maybes and labeling them. I mean, why should we label it? Why should we even label it? Sorry, I'm not even wanting to label this festival. But, you know, if you've got a science fiction film in the works, finish it, submit it, go to Film Freeway, Space Brain Sci-Fi Film Festival, we're accepting... Features and shorts, international, Australian, and also extremely localized, localized, localized to your bedroom. And if I'm chosen, uh, will it get screened anywhere? Will anyone it see will. it? It will. It will. We're going to have uh, judges decide on which of the best are. If we, if we get if we get hundreds of entries, we're going to have to narrow it down. But um, yeah, we'll have judges select the best of the best, and it will be on a big screen in a theatre with a couple of hundred people, uh, red carpet event, you know, photographers, actors, people will be involved. It will be shown in the local media. It's going to be a one-off gala event this this festival. Beautiful. Wonderful. A little, a little bit tapping back to the old days, I think. I think so too. Mind you, it will also be the 2023, which will be bigger and better. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that on next year's Space Brains. Next year's Space Brains. (laughs) So let's get stuck into a bit about the film. Um, We mentioned Doug Lemon or Lyman. I think I'm going to go Lyman. I'm going Lyman. I like Lyman. I like Lyman too. Um, The screenplay was Christopher McQuarrie and Jez Butterworth and his brother John Henry. I'm just going to presume that because they're both the Butterworth brothers. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're partners. The Butterworths could hit me up. Let me know. What's they, going on with they their known names? Are the Butterworth brothers now? I mean, the Butterworth brothers. I mean, that itself is a film, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it was based on the novel, All You Need Is is Kill, by Hiroshi Sakurasaka. And Hiroshi, if you want to come and get in touch with us and correct us on... How on I our, pronounce our, that. <laughs> our brutalization of your name. Please now, feel free. We'd love to hear from you. Good old Blunto Surrey's mate, uh, who I don't know personally, but Surrey knows. They went to college together, studied IT or something. Um, she's in this. And Tom Cruise. Uh, Cruisey. We like a bit of Cruisey in a sci-fi, don't we? Yeah, he's, he does well in sci-fi. Yeah. we Oblivion was is my number one on, on the ladder, really. That's I think it's where you should start. Where you start. Um, and there's other sci-fi that uh, Tom Cruise has done. He just delivers this man, doesn't he? I mean, he. I think he's so invested in the whole process is what I can... I saw recently he's doing Mission Impossible 19 or whatever, right? And I know he owns them and he owns That's the Mission company. Mission Impossible versus Rocky. Yeah, something like that. But but he got a bit pissed off because like a crew member had got COVID and they had to shut it down for a couple of weeks and then it, then it was implying that he had COVID. So, but this is what I mean. This man is invested in his films. You know, he's not just rocking up to get the paychecks. He's he's invested. So I think when they sign up, there has been a lot of talk. Um, Doug has talked about a sequel uh, since this film came out and, um, it's been sort of on again, off again, on again, Mm. off again. They've gone through a couple of different screenwriters. Um, he has mentioned that it would be like a prequel idea because it would be playing off the idea of this film going back in the battle, so to speak. You know what I mean? Well, that sounds interesting. So it'd be a sequel, but it'd be a prequel in the idea of how this film is set up, which I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But And then Emily Blunt's the last person, and Tom's been up for it for a couple of years, and then 
Emily Blunt has mentioned that it's going to be a bit hard for Tom, her and Doug to be all available at the one time to make that sequel. So that could be sort of shutting the door on it. If you read the Hollywood rags. <laughs> um, this was filmed in London and the surrounding suburbs and the studio in London. Now, this is an interesting thing. I don't know what the exact budget was. They talk about on IMDb, $178 million, But Warner Brothers apparently also spent $100 million on advertising. They so I don't know if... very well. I don't know if that means the budget was... Like seventy eight million dollars, and then it's a hundred mil. Because I don't think this, I don't think this film really cost one hundred seventy eight million. I think they, I think if it did, I mean they Tom Cruise can charge much. a bit, but I don't think he charges that much. No, he doesn't charge that much. And yeah, I don't know, I don't know. So I'm, I don't know. I'd love someone from Warner Brothers to come and explain that to me. But yeah, the rumors online is they spent a hundred million. They did do the live, uh, sorry, is it um, live die repeat? That was actually the name of this film. And then it became the Edge of Tomorrow, and they but they kept marking it as. Well, they were originally they were originally going to call it All You Need Is Kill, mm. but then uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Doug he said this kind of doesn't suit the tone of the film. Yeah, which I agree. I mean, that's yeah. a, it's a very that's a very All You Need Is Kill is a bit bleak. Weird. Yeah, it's a harsh, strong sounding thing, and this is is not like that. It's a little bit more, you know, actiony, rompy sort of thing. It is, and then he wanted to call it yeah, Live Die Repeat. Yeah. Uh, and then that turned into the tagline. Mm. Which is a great tagline. I mean, it, anyone that wants to be a writer, it's a great tagline, mm. I think. Yeah. And, and again, I think I think that was the right choice because that name, Live, Die, Repeat, that more sort of sounds like something Tarantino-y. Yeah. You know, not, not entirely mainstream, not entirely alternate, but Live, Die, Repeat sort of sounds a bit like it would be a, more of a cult movie. Mm. It has a cult movie title. But, but look, in terms of taglines, what's a tagline? Sorry, I mean it's supposed to summarize it in a word or two, right? Like you know, and so that that summarizes as, like, as a tagline. It's fantastic. He dies, and the same with her. She lives and she dies, and then it's rinse and repeat. So, to me, I think it's a great tagline for this film. And it's they end up calling, it, of course, Edge of Tomorrow, which is when they did their film premiere. It's eleven fifty nine. It started because that's obviously the Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, very the box pleasant. office returned pretty healthy, doubled the money, I guess, if if they spent $178 million. I'm not, Again, I don't know if that's real, but uh, $370 mil, it came back. They Isn't call it, this one of these ones as like a big blockbuster success story. Well, there was a bit of a mediocre response from what they were hoping. You know, you, Tom Cruise doesn't pull as much as he does in the States. They're hoping for more from overseas. They did okay. Like, I was reading the, the opening weekends... And it was it was mm. solid, mm. but you know it's twenty million for for the first week on twenty three million or something, as opposed to you know some of these other big films like fifty million, forty million. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, if you imagine they spend a hundred, well, if if that's correct, they spend one hundred seventy eight million making the film, yeah, hundred million advertising the film. That's two hundred and seventy eight or two hundred eighty million, and it makes that's only a hundred million dollar profit after that. Huge investment. It's not a huge profit. Well, is, is that the way it works? Because I don't know. This box office figure is that a gross taking, which then obviously the cinemas get some cut of that, or is that the gross taking that yeah, the hard. studio gets for uh, its 
you know, yeah. all the ticket sales. Like it's it's cut all the ticket sales. I'm, yeah, I'm after tax, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm. I think I the I think the accountants probably make sure we don't quite know whether yeah. <laughs> which way it goes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Is it the gross after the cinema sort of takes their cut, or is it the gross as in including the whole, you know, the whole process of the cinema taking ten percent? Yeah, I. I I'm not, I don't know yeah. how that accounting works. I don't know either. Anyway, this is an action, popcorn eating, turn up the volume kind of movie. So it's great on the big screen. It's great in front of maybe a few friends, few drinks, whatever that gets you float boating. Um, float I boating. will, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will warn you that whole idea of Groundhog Day can become annoying very quickly. I don't think it actually happens in this film. I think this film does some clever things. I'm gonna, keeps it fresh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of stop the plot a couple of points and notice that, so we'll come to that in a minute. What you call this narrative is not Groundhog Day, sorry. You no. call it a temporal frequency, okay? Ah. So it's a temporal frequency narrative structure. That is the theory. Go look up Baldwin Thompson and you will find out about this. Um, and it's extremely uncommon, all right? So it's not common in filmmaking to use this kind of narrative. The most common, of course, is, you know, ABC, one, two, three, you know, the three-act structure. Pixar. Yeah. Pixar Masters. Pretty much every other film out there. (laughs) Um, There is some other variations. We have looked at a a couple other films very but for this particular style, it's temporal frequency. The film that brought brought that in the mainstream is Groundhog Day. There is films before Groundhog's Day that does that, but Groundhog Day was a surprise comedy hit. Bill Murray, um, Raimi, I can't remember his name, someone, Raimi, um, him and Bill had worked on Ghostbusters, um, Caddyshack together. They had an argument over actually Groundhog Day, but, but Raimi came up with this idea of uh, a day that repeats and, and made it, sort of fu- uh, funny and it was just a smash hit I, I believe it made well, about 150 so mil there are now other movies uh palms welcome to palm springs is it yep. with with that guy from brooklyn nine, nine? Oh, okay yep, yep whatever it, it, he in fact references oh it's a groundhog day thing. yeah and i think there's that that one russian doll a tv show on they Netflix, do yeah which is a great show that one Grand, like, like so groundhog day is now in it's the, the reference point in yeah. the universe of yeah. universes that have Groundhog Day. Correct, correct. Um, there has there has been a whole bunch of movies over the years that have kind of taken that same idea, including Edge of Tomorrow. Um, Happy Death Day is quite a big horror film that works with that. The girl wakes up and it's like the day she's going to be murdered and the same sort of thing. Um, Source Code, that's another sci-fi film. Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, that's, um, Jake that's... Gyllenhaal and he sort of wakes up and has to relive that day on the train or whatever. There's um, another good one that's a little bit um, lesser known, ARQ, ARC. ARC, yeah. It's on Netflix. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's quite a good one as well. That's... Yeah, so, the, the, I mean, we need to have a look at them, I think, at some point. Um, but, yeah, these are all films... I think what is always clever is when it's done in a different genre. So, again, when I watched this particular film, Edge of Tomorrow, um, I hadn't seen it in this kind of, you know, action battle scene idea of it being repeated, rinsed Mm. and repeated. I like the idea of Happy Death Day where it's like a horror film being rinsed and repeated, you know. So you take that narrative concept and you throw it in with the mix of what we expect in a genre like sci-fi or horror, and suddenly it adds a new element to it. 
Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So, the opener. The opener of Edge of Tomorrow, uh, in terms of its plot, we, we're seeing this in a lot of sci-fi, haven't we, sorry? Like, the idea is that the you're sort of like... Newsreels. Yeah. Stock footage. Stock footage, B-roll, um, the world's gone to shit, <laughs> alien invasion, zombie apocalypse, whatever the deal is. We've seen it before. This film works off this role. Um, they intersperse footage of people scrambling, bombs going off, war... Uh, they they have some clippings of Tom Cruise's character talking to the media. Yeah, he he's, ends up uh, constantly bringing up the Angel of Adan. And if she can kill hundreds of these things with minimal training, and then mm. they keep hearing that same little, with minimal training, yeah. well, to this, it's like, it's yeah. it's a real... And then you're seeing the, um, the, the f- photos or the uh, posters, you know, the propaganda yeah. posters of the Angel of Adan. The, yeah. Full metal bitch, you know, and like, yeah, it it starts going from that, as you said, the, the apocalypse style news clippings into sort of a, a D-Day prep. Like yeah. If you watch your, your your World War II stuff, they have this same, these posters. And yeah, the same sort of idea. The the news broadcasts about how these, just a couple of brave men did something incredible, mm, you know. Yeah. And in this case, however, they chose a um, <laughs> a woman, which I think... Is probably a callback to the um, Japanese thing that the Japanese mm. love to have their warrior women. Yes, and then also the graphics used on her with her red stripes on her battle armor and that oversized sword. Like, yeah, that doesn't get any more anime, no, any more Japanese sort uh, of science fiction fantasy at all. It's not explained in the film why she has that sword, but apparently in the book. She has that because in the battle she ran out of ammo and so she started using a sword. So, but it's not in the film, it's not. It looks like maybe maybe it's like a helicopter blade, yeah, something like that. Yeah, which which is those things, but it's just Um, cool. It's cool, it's cool. And the opening, I will say one thing film wise with the opener is that some of that news footage is very distorted, so they keep kind of like cutting people off, or it goes to white ants, or it it kind of distorts from one footage to another. So yeah. it's not exactly... It, it, it's giving you the impression that we're under siege, I guess. You know, we're not in happy times. Um, we get information in this opening that in 2015, aliens called Mimics arrived in Germany uh, via an asteroid and then they started to kind of just overtake continental Europe. And then by 2020, this United Defence Force had sort of militarized, ready to battle them, I suppose. Any movie now that references what happens in 2020 is going to be <laughs> spectacularly wrong. Yes. Unless it's a zombie apocalypse movie or something, in which case maybe they almost got it right. Yeah. And they talk about that they have these special suits. Cage talks about these special... Jackets, you know, I think they call them. Yeah, you know, and they're kind of yeah. like very robotic and much bigger. And it may, and, and I liked this part of the And with like, minimal training. With minimal training, you can operate them, yeah. Can you know, take out hundreds of these. Yeah, and the whole point of that is then once Cage gets in there, he doesn't really know what the hell to, yeah, how well, to use it. In fact, we see also his comrades who apparently have had training yeah. don't really fare any better either. No. In fact, people have been wiped <laughs> out left, right, and center. Being, no. And then you see the mimics in action on the beach and you go, well, that's, that's kind of why they're yeah. crazy. Yes. Um, so within here, Cage, played by Cruz, speaks with the news about the enemy in the suits and he does introduce uh, Emily Blunt's character, this Sergeant Rita Vrakatsky. 
Yeah, wonder why they. Ch- it's funny because she's it's a funny name, really isn't it? Very much British. Yeah, like, and the name of the actor Emily Blunt is a very British name. It is. Well, you why know they her went well. For Rita Vrataski. I don't know. And then she's tremendously British, and you kind of go, wouldn't it have been better calling her Elizabeth or something? Yeah, Elizabeth Smith. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Elizabeth Townsend or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. That's what they went for. They're planning this massive invasion of France, which there is these strong connections to the real world, like D-Day, and then there's also these connections to these war movies, I think, oh, like I mean, even that jacket. red moving across the map, you know, mm. from Munich yeah. is where it landed, so from Germany. Yeah, yeah. Because this is what happened in World War II, of course. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's spread out, and yeah. then they're planning a big multi, you know, um, National national invasion on the beaches of France. Yes, yeah, so it's D-Day. I, I mean, fortunately, they were well self-aware enough that um, the the general Gleason's character does mention D-Day. Yes, and yeah. they have the the scene in the British pub, so it's not like it's totally lost on them. No, but there is but, a there is a playoff because even in that opening beginning, I don't know if you quite picked it. They don't say the mimics and the alien. They don't actually say they're aliens. They they talk about it's a war, it's a terrorism war, it's it's a war against us. You can tell that it's bigger than just Germans, yes. <laughs> but it's it's this sort of implied bigger cycle than just you know another part of us in the human race, you know. Um, but there, but really there isn't is a mention a world to aliens. War. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Brendan Gleeson plays that general really well. He's a he's a great. I think he's Scottish. I think. Yeah, yeah he's Mad-Eye Moody. That's yeah. what I know him from Mad-Eye Moody and Gangs in New York. Mm. It's, it's a good one because we've had, it's one of these things, and a lot of sci-fi films have to do this. You and I talk about writing the story up, voiceover. Um, in this context, it's instead of voiceover, it's actually like newsreels, quick B-roll, quick action bits, mm. quick interspersed. You bring in the main characters. They're talking a little bit. What what what's the writer doing? Exposition, oh, setting yeah. up the film, setting it, up the setting. and and using a uh, a recognised trope for it. Yeah, like by now we do uh, this idea goes back so long to you know, the old spinning newspaper. You know, mm. you yeah, know, the yeah. newspaper would spin down and land with a headline. You know, yeah, <laughs> strange man flies from Krypton. Aliens in yeah. Germany. You know, aliens yeah. discovered. You know, like well, even war, right? Like D Day in France. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's the same idea. Yeah, from now on, D Day on France. Thousands of troops prepare to battle. God knows why they all spoke like this, no, but no, they no. did. <laughs> they did. Um, but yeah, many sci-fi films do start in this way, especially online. I think it's very trendy to have this sort of idea of distorted newsreels and blurry footage and handheld well, footage. Of, I mean, it is the equivalent of having, as it, a spin newspaper yeah. or or text or a voiceover, except it's kind of a little bit more visually interesting. Yeah. It fits in with the story. Let's let's them introduce mm. some of the world building. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit more integrated, but it's it's familiar enough. Like anyone who's watched a few uh, you know, apocalyptic world type yeah, movies yeah, right. will recognise this and will will just go, Oh, this is them catching me up, getting me up to speed to the point where we are starting the story. And it's it's nice because it doesn't hit you in the head with like white text or a no. voiceover it's from a dramatic older yeah. actor, you know, 
in the age of Avalon when <laughs> I was running around. But yeah, so it's quite good. And we get straight through, though, now to uh, the helicopter ride with Cage coming in, don't we? Yeah, and he arrives in London. Straight um, in. Straight in. He's asleep. He wakes up as it lands. Uh, and it's not really London, probably as we know it today. It's London as in he's landing in the middle of, I don't know. And this uh, and this is, of course, just the... Near Big Ben somewhere the there. The mirror of the ending, which is yeah. nice. Here, yeah. Which is that, that beautiful setup, which always leaves you with that sort of creamy, buttery taste in your mouth when you finish the movie. Well, that, well. And he, he goes in to talk <laughs> with the general. He does. And, and what he, happens with the general? He, he, well, he, he goes and talks to the general. The general sort of says, you know, it occurs to me that we're going to be, you know, sending millions of men in to fight this battle. And when we win in any, any way this turns out, we're going to have body bags coming back. And when the body bags start coming back, people like to see, you know, someone to, to blame. Mm, they do. And, they like to blame someone. And they're probably going to blame me. Mm. I said, so, Tommy Cage, Mr. Cage, <laughs> Billy Tommy Cage. Cage. <laughs> what was his first name? Bill Cage or William Cage? Yes. William Cage, Bill Cage. He, he then says, oh, well, I see I would suggest a, a memoir and a, a documentary and a, you know, how you a rose book, through yeah, the ranks of rags to riches story and, mm. and all the rest of it. But Gleason doesn't like this. He's like, no, no, no. You go over with the camera crew. You film it, you know, on the ground. Yeah. Oh, I don't you... much care about what they think about me. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, Tommy's not happy about this. Oh, no, doesn't and... his face go white? And he sort of, he starts doing that, you know, shifting his eyeballs he's around. Like, and he's... He, he explains to us that, well, when the when the aliens invaded, he's, he was a PR dude, a bit like me. And it's like, you know, his business collapsed and as the war broke out and he, so, you know, he joined the American military to kind of like, you know. It was in the ROTC, was Something, that the, yeah. t- I'm assuming that's some kind of uh, but, US reserves type thing, but because he was at university, it sort of gives you a, a, a reserves military rank, like an officer rank, because you don't become a major in the US military by owning an advertising firm. No, so, no, no. So maybe maybe a US ROTC member could explain how ranks might possibly transfer, but I'm assuming because he's at uni, because like, for example, my friend, he went to the Australian Defence Force Academy, mm. um, Duntroon, yes. in Canberra, right. and it's basically a, a university uh-huh. that's an officer's college. Mm. So you go to university there, and even the cadets mm. there are officers. Yes. Which means they actually outrank, you know, the privates in the Ameri- the Australian Army, mm. Army, and they they do have they eat at our officers' mess, mm. and when they visit, you know, bases and so forth, they get saluted. You know, like these eighteen-year-olds who are, you know, university students mm. get saluted by the um, lowest ranks, I must say, of the armed forces mm. so maybe similar thing here because he graduated with a you know an officer's rank yeah 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 well I, and i think the whole point there is that he's not really done the work he's no, just I, I kind of he's come from uni as, built himself up into that as role. a reservist yeah yeah who's yeah i'm sure he's run around in the fields a little bit and you know played paintball but he hasn't whatever. seen real action so but he's, he's not really done anything no doesn't even know how to fire the weapon. Um, so anyway, they have this standoff and it kind of results in 
him thinking that he's got the upper hand on the general, but then the general demand because he threatens the general, you know, the general dismisses him, but then gets him arrested. And so <laughs> Just then he's arrest this man. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. So he's like, what? You know. But anyway, so then he wakes up on uh, at Heathrow, knocked out. He's woken up at Heathrow. On your feet, maggot. Yeah, and he's straight away addressed, and this is where we get great Bill Paxton entering and addressing him just as a, a deserter. Yeah, and, deserter. And a he's man. not a captain. And he's he gonna... tries to, again, pull the strings that, no, he's higher up. And as you were just explaining, like, yeah. he should be saluted and he should be respected. And But, no, he's he's got this story that, um, no, he's not. He's just, he's, he's a deserter. He would do anything to get out. <laughs> yes, in fact, like, the orders say that he is uh, impersonating an officer. And yeah. the first thing he's going to try and do is try to tell you that he's an officer. Yeah. And so that's the orders that, so... Yeah. This drill sergeant is just like, I know everything about yep. you. Yep. I yep. have yep. the full confidence that I have the entire force of military law behind me. Correct. So anything you have to say I do will have no effect on me. There is no yeah. threat you could make. There's none of this, well, you know, you just wait till the general hears about yeah, this yeah. and you do want to take that Well, risk. these orders are from the general, you know. Like. And he is totally covered because he has those orders yeah. which basically say, this is what you must believe, mm. you know. And they tell you to not believe what he says. Yeah, and anything so he says just, is bullshit. Yeah. So and so as a result, yes, he's just got this unshakable resolve to take this con man Cage and introduce him to J and, Company. And I guess that's the thing with Cage; like his one strength is kind of not being a con man, but being like you know the word of the mouth, and, a schmoozer, a schmoozer. Yeah. So so that they've taken away any power that he actually has completely. So yeah, he comes into this J squad. These guys are a, the typical ragtag kind of group. There's a fat guy. There's a black guy. There's an Australian guy. There's a rough there's woman. a woman. <laughs> yeah, they're gambling. They're not quite like you know. You think, geez, these guys are going in to protect planet Earth, you know. Um, but as we've been told, like, oh, anyone with any experience can take on the you know the aliens, you know, with our super. Um, jackets, jacket things, you yes. know, you know. So, so you, you know, you've got faith in the system. Um, the whole time he's trying to, you know, disengage or in argue, you know, argue with it, and he's knocked back and knocked back. Um, none of them like him because he's introduced as a, as a deserter, and very quickly they're off for war. Well, you do get that nice foreshadowing there, which I like, where he's making them eat the cards. And he says, and what do I say about this? And he says, you know, your destiny is entirely in your hands. You know, you do what, you know, you make of yourself what you will type of thing. Mm, theme stated. Just theme stated. And it's repeated a couple more times through the, the film, which is nice. And I, I remember when I watched this the first time, like I can't entirely remember the full experience, but I do remember not paying particular attention to that. It's just like, yeah. it's this, because he's he's been, you know, repeating these kind of, Cliche uh, statements. Cliche, right, yeah. grandiose things about, you know, mm. armed combat is the great leveler. You can make a man of yourself <laughs> here. You can do whatever you want, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so it just sort of goes through. I had no clue what was coming because... Uh, Which is also foreshadowing, right? Because yes, he does say to him, battle does do that and eventually that's what happens to old Keiji. And and it's nice because because he has this rambling thing, the same as Dark City where that... Uh, um, a landlord fellow had his yeah, things yeah, like yeah. saying 30 day years here, not day, no days off for bad behavior or whatever <laughs> it was. It, it makes a, a really noticeable statement so that mm. when you come around the second time, 
it's really obvious what he's going to say and yeah. how he says it and that that's it is right. a repeat. It is. It's setting us up to know that that's that character and he's going to always keep saying that, you know. So, that's good. anyway, they're in these suits. They're flying over to France and they're, they're heading that way and um, the floor opens up and they're all sort of like hovering there, aren't they? And Bill Paxton gives them a big sort of speech about go out and get them and blah, blah, blah. And partway through there's an explosion. Partway through there's an explosion. Whole time Cagey's saying, I don't even know how to find my gun. How do you shoot it? How do you get the safety off? And they're like, no one's out there to help you. And and that other guy, one of the other guys in the group says, hey, there's a dead man in your suit, you know, like because that's a line. And um, But then they're, you know, uh, Paxton's like, you know, once this plane's on fire, he's like, get out, get out, evacuate, evacuate. So they all get out. They get on the beach. Chubby gets just annihilated straight away. Quite humorously, Yeah, course. quite humorously. Like there's a ship that falls out of the yeah, sky. We and made it, we them. made it, we yeah. made it splat. Yeah, good. And likewise, there's this opening bit is kind of a five to seven minute really brutal very similar to Save a Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, you know, handheld camera on the beach, following crews, you know, people are being squished and blown apart and And you're not shot. even seeing the enemy yet. And you haven't, no, you've yeah. just seen explosions and all the ships uh, they came across on all these planes seem to be being hit and falling from the sky. And he, he is just scrambling for his life. He's not even looking to attack, is he? He's just trying to kind of live no, in he, the moment he, and he dodges a falling crashing craft which yep. then outwalks the uh you know the angel of Verdun. yes she oh. walks out and you know they're all like dragging their soul you know they're all like so tough they're looking, looking to, tougher. yeah and it's funny because at first yeah she has this good fight with one of the monsters and then she gets just hammered and yep. slammed to the side and dies yes and so there's like this whole build-up of her being this angel of a done. She's amazing. She's yeah. killed hundreds of them. Mm. And you first see her fighting and you're going, yeah, she's yeah, amazing. she's like, cool. She's clearly very good. And then she just gets smashed and dies. And yes. old Cage just sees that. Yeah. And I think that kind of hurts him a little inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, I thought that this was going to be okay. Yeah, she would be the saviour. <laughs> and he, he manages to catch up with his troop yes. in a little pit. And they're, they're talking, oh, they're, they're so far off. They'll, they'll be here and so long and uh you know cages is in there still trying to get the safety off his gun because yeah, he sees something boiling up through the sand he goes hey guys 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 yeah, and they yeah. turn around alien bursts out starts slaughtering people another alien yeah. jumps in cage finally manages to get the safety off his gun and shoots and destroys the alien a blue alien comes in with it and roars it like it acts differently it looks yeah. different it's bigger the other ones are this sort of a bit spinning, like a tiger or something spinning right? like, orange yeah fiery looking things you know mm. and this one's obviously blue yeah it's a bit like a tiger right? that, that, yeah, like it, it a, it's got a mouth a more the, noticeably yeah animal monstrousy sort of yeah, face yeah 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 and, and, and it turns to attack him and, and he manages to blow it up yeah he gets a that, that um, claymore grenade off, yeah. off wicks or whatever his name yeah. is uh, which is I, I don't think anyone would ever do that like because he actually put it facing towards himself like yeah. a suicide bomb yeah and yeah he sets it off and they we see him get coated in blood alien and he blood. goes, ah, <laughs> and dies. Dies. Yeah. And so, so that's the end of the movie. Credits that's roll. it. Done. Done. Tom Cruise dies. That's it. Done. <laughs> but no, he wakes up back in Heathrow. Wait, there's more. What the hell? And he's on confused. Your feet, on your feet, maggots. And he 
starts to see the whole day replayed, basically. And it's exactly what you were talking about. We we have those cliche lines from Farrell. We have him meeting Jay's squad. The, summit, the same things are going it quickly on. It does time. jump through it a lot quicker, but bit by bit. it notices all those major milestones, right? Like all those key bits. And the whole time he's confused and not sure what's going on and looking at everything and, uh, yeah, and, and not really too sure. Um and on the beach this time, when he, he finds Rita, he saves her, I think, that last moment. The, on the last thing that yeah. got her. And, she, and he sort of knocks her aside so she misses it. Yeah, her. and he gets And whacked. rather than thanking him, she pulls his battery pack out, <laughs> sticks it in her own suit, yep. and he goes, oh, you took my battery and he can't move, and an alien smushes him. Yeah. Which is... Then he wakes up again. So we definitely know, okay, he's, he's definitely, this is like not a one-time deal. No, and he wakes up again. And then that time he does save her again. Yeah, this time. And she says, come and find me. Yeah, because he's, he's clearly anticipating the energy. Yeah. He just moves his hand to the side, shoots, hand over here, shoots. Mm. He does this because he's died a few times at this point. This is yeah. not like just the second time he's died. No. This is numerous times. He's sort of trying it on his own. And that's the thing I like with how this film did it, and, and it gets. We'll come to it later in this in the plot, but they really do jump that. Like they they don't necessarily. I think with Groundhog's Day, if I remember, you kind of it's like day one, day two, day three, day four, you know. Yeah. Whereas this is like almost like day one, day two, oh day eight. Yeah. So he's actually now done it a few times. You've, you've got the idea, and it, you've and got the premise. Well, the, yeah. the Groundhog Day thing is is well established. Like yeah. we know that's what's happening. Yes, and so it just shows the key points of yeah. He's here on the beach, and this time he tells the guys about the alien coming through first. Yeah, but it doesn't help. And he, this time, yeah, and then finally, yeah, he he just like so they've sped cas- up that casually just yeah. shoots all the aliens. The st- for Rita and Rita goes, what are you doing? He says, well, we've got to get off this beach. You know, like yeah. there's no way I've tried it. I can't do it myself. Yeah, I need you to get me off this beach. Yeah, so it's, it's but it's a clever narrative, isn't it? Because it's jumping. Here's the ga- here's the rules of the game, and then let, oh, you know what, bugger it. Like we're not going to show you the first ten days. Let's jump to day twelve. Yeah, straight in there. So let, let's just keep going quicker. And I really liked that. I liked how quick quickly it, it speeds it up, and it's also not then revealing to us, the audience, all those days. So we don't really know what he's gone through. We can just tell he's progressing. He's, you know? Yeah, he's clearly <laughs> he's kind of becoming, more confident a bit better. Yeah, he's becoming more clever and more... And, and then it's like a different challenge, isn't he? Um, he he wakes up in one of the loops after, as we just said, like she said, come and find me. And he has to go find her earlier in the day. And this is where you said that the joke is... You know, like he has to roll off the truck yeah, uh, in front of the yeah. truck, under the truck. And so he he kind of gets to the point, he deliberately abuses the drill sergeant, make him do 50 push-ups, and he, he's like, uh, uh, and he goes and he gets squished. Oh, yeah. And, you, and the noise, you hear the, oh, uh, 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 yeah. yeah, squish. And it's also Why clever because... Why the hell would a man do that? Because <laughs> then it cuts and he's doing the same things. He's doing the push-ups and the truck's going, he's like... You know, like, like, and I really liked that because yeah. it's like there's a joke, and they do that a couple of times in this film, even on the battle scene where he's kind of like he jumps down, he like squishes an alien, and then I think another one annihilates him, and then it's like so he jumps down and he like he's annihilates running, someone, and he a, annihilates someone, and, and then a truck, truck runs him over, him <laughs> and he's like yeah. ah, you know. So it's like there's little bit of humor even in such a violent, you know, realistic way. But he finds her, and she is. 
I really like this, and I'm sure Emily Blunt liked this. The way the director shot this, we come across this physically strong woman who is just beautifully lit. I mean, she is a beautiful woman, Emily Blunt, but the way they shoot her, she's doing some sort of yoga pose in this machine battle. These things are whizzing around her, trying to mimic the mimics. Yeah. Uh, but she is shot magically and it's like like there's a lovely shot of her here that he comes across her um and she's all bendy and posing in a yoga position but she's not just it's not sexual but it's like she is i found it like really hypnotizing the way they had posed her and positioned her uh, like an animal or something. Yeah, like, it was a bit like that, like a bit alien. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, she was a bit alien, you know. And it's isn't it interesting that he's kind of come in there, you know, escaping from the thing, and all those other soldiers, her soldiers, they kind of like are closing in more and more on him, you know. Yeah, so it's start, kind of giving us the impression that, in. yeah, like we're not just going to let anyone come up on this woman, you know. Like, you, who are you? Who are you to be here? And I liked that. It added pressure. But I loved the way they shot her. I, I think she would have too because it was a very interesting... We'd already been introduced to her, full metal bitch, on the battlefield. Mm. She steals his pack. You know, She's not an absolutely nice hero person. Um, he saved her and now he has to introduce himself in a different way. And so that was kind of clever, I thought. Yeah. Mm, it's good. Yeah. Anyway, she he comes in, he tells her about the battle, she believes him, and she says, well, you've got to come with me to Dr. Carter, played by Australian Noah Taylor. Uh, and he's an, an expert, which I do like, I'm an expert in mimic biology. Really? How long have they been on the planet and you're an expert? You know. Yeah. But anyway, that's fine. It's fine. I forgive it. Sorry, I forgive it. Uh, he does give a good presentation. Even Tommy Cruz says that's a bloody good presentation. Yeah, I and like I, I liked mar- that. He's a marketing guy. He's going, oh, nice. Yeah, slides. this you know, is really good. Take this a, to the top. That's a good PowerPoint. Yeah, this is a great PowerPoint, man. I didn't think it would be that good. Um, you know what? This is really good. Let's go. Let's go to the general. You know, and isn't it great that the writer is setting the rules of the game? That because she, she just says, "I've gone to the general and I've been locked up." Yeah, locked up or and dissected. And dissected. And he's like, no, 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 but that's really good. He's like, dissected. Yeah. He's like, ah. yeah, because that's probably what would happen. So it's 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 great that they're setting the rules of the game. Well, yeah, it, I, I have a feeling that General is uh, acting uh, as the representation of the desperation mm. of the military complex where they've just basically said, okay, forget about it because now it's just... Just bomb the shit out of it. Heard everyone in there. We need millions of people in these suits. On yeah. Like, you know, I don't care if you're a misfit. I don't care if yeah. you go to battle naked. Yeah. You're like, do whatever. Get him in there. We just need numbers. And so, yeah, if you yeah. come in with some crazy ass story, he's going to go, you know, you're just trying to get out of this. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. And if you're really dead set on saying that this is the truth, then you're obviously crazy. Yeah. Go to the nut house. Cut him up. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Mm. So, so yeah, we go through and we hear that there's a super organism. We learn as the rules of the game regarding uh, the blue alphas and you get their blood somehow on or in you and that means that you're now... Connected uh, to their nervous system or you're something. You're the 
you're the panic button for the reset. Yeah. So when you die, then it resets back. I, it's unclear as to why it's that morning it resets to. Yeah. But it does. It does. <clears throat> well, I think it's it's supposed to be before the battle, so the battle replays itself. So he got sprayed on the battle. Yeah, it, so it therefore must have it's coincided. The morning. It must have coincided with when the aliens were getting ready. Yeah, something for like the battle that. as yeah. well. Yeah, something like that. It, it does, like it's not terribly important. Anyway, it's the rules of the game. Yeah, <laughs> and she uh, she confesses that the reason why she is the angel of Adan is the same thing happened to her. Yes. And so that's what made her the angel of Adonis because she just kept living the battle over and, and was, over. She was chasing down and, the Omega. Yeah. And but, but what happened? She got injured. Yep. But not badly enough. She got incapacitated and she woke up in a medical hospital and had done a blood transfusion mm. and that was it. She knew she had lost her power. She had. So... Yeah, they um they they don't, and this is where, as I said, like Cage is like, well, come on, this is a great presentation to sell the general, but no, we're going to be locked up, um, and so it's not quite working. So then the plan is we've got to get off the beach. So they start training, and he starts training in this location where she was training, and again, it's great storytelling because we're not getting him to wake up again at Heathrow. He's already here, you know. He's already done there's, that introduction over time. Yeah, so there's a training montage. Every every scene ends with him being shot in the head. Yeah, which I think probably connects to the whole point of the story of you know it's the Japanese story. Yeah, all you need is kill. Yeah, because in this montage, this montage, he dies time after time oh, after so many time. Times. You can see he's getting yeah. tired of it too. Yeah, and he, like, he does. There's a couple of ones where he's, he's broken his leg and he's going, "No, I'm alright." I'm, I'm okay. I'm and she I'm just good. comes up and, and, she and goes, dies. Oh, boom. <laughs> And, it's, and you know what's great, because I noticed it on this viewing, is that this montage, he dies, and then in pretty much the next series of montage, she's the one dying. So it's like they take turns. Yes. Um, after a particular frustrating lesson, which is pretty, this is the midpoint of the movie, sorry. Yeah. So it's a good sort of break. He just, one of the days, he's like, now nah, stuff this. And, that, and that's what happens in Groundhog Days. Oh, he goes, stuff this. Yeah, I'm right? So it's a, it's a clever... It's a point in this type of story that you go, do you know what? I've lived this day enough. I've had enough. Yeah. I'm not going to live it. I'm going to just do something else. Because when you think about it, you could. You could just do something. If he can roll and, you know, escape the drill sergeant, and he could roll and just run away. And it is this scene here is more than just him going, oh, I need, I a, need a day off. I Let's need a Let's give it a perspective. <laughs> because we see this beautifully. We get uh, reminded of what the stakes are. Because yes. Maybe he's forgetting as well. And yeah. as us, the audience, we're kind of going, this is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's the does point? Does he really have to win this? Yeah, yeah. Like, surely the alpha, the blue alpha, you could tell more people about it and then try to get more people blue alpha to yeah. it. But he goes along to this pub and he sits down and has a beer. And then there's a, like, he has a little, here's the, the, the Brits talking about D-Day. mouthing things yeah. and saying how. They'd be great. And he said, yeah, I, I, I was there. I died on my set. And then they said, coward. Yeah. And he's like, really? What are you doing? You're in a pub getting drunk. Jesus Christ. And then he hears the noise. <laughs> Your grandpa outside. did it, yeah. And so he goes out uh, onto the Thames, of course, because it's yeah. how you know he's in London. It's like London apparently is just the Thames. So that's all it is. And the Tower Bridge, you know, Westminster. It's like Australia is just the Sydney Harbour. That's all yeah, it is. Sydney Opera House and the, yeah. the coat hanger. Yeah. And he looks down along the, the river and, of course, Aliens have come roaring up and they're just yeah. smashing through the city. Yeah. 
And so you know, okay, so if he doesn't go and get off that beach and like try and achieve his objective, yep. that's it. That's the end of it. Because yeah. that was that was their big push. That was their D-Day. That was their yeah. Normandy. That was all of their troops with all of their yeah, yeah. firepower and everything they could muster was going to so if they that, lose, then the rest of the that's world it. is... Yeah. And they're going to lose because the aliens have been repeating that day. How many times have they repeated that battle before Tom Cruise got blue blood on him? Yes. Because we only see that one. That They clearly have repeated it before them because they knew they were coming. Yes. The only way they could have known they were coming is if they had arrived and maybe gotten a little bit more successful than before. Mm. And then he goes, oh, okay, well, let's just get some troops in there. Yep. Uh, so clearly that wasn't the first time. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it's the last effort that humans have. And that's what I loved about this. And this is why I realized that I didn't mind watching this the second time because here I was mm. watching this. And yet I'm thinking about why are they doing this? What? what mm. Why what's am I being shown this? Yeah. What? What's the point of this scene? Or why does Cage do these things? I was yeah. trying to remember because it's a while ago I saw this, and then I, yeah, I saw this scene where he takes a bit of a breather, and London is being destroyed, and he dies yeah. Yeah. very quickly. He's saying on the bridge there, an alien and overtakes him, it. and so you, you end up realizing, okay, so. Yeah, that's the midpoint of the film. Now we have seen how much effort he's going to have to go through. Why? Yeah. That's why. Yes. And so he comes back and he's determined again. He's going, okay, yeah. no, I have New to plan. This. I've I've seen what happens if I don't go ahead with it and it is unacceptable. Yes. So there's a nice um, montage here and they start... He, he says there's no way... To, sorry, yeah, no, no. The vision he then sees after that as well, which helps, is that he sees where the Omega is hiding, which is in this German dam. Oh, isn't that just Dam Busters? Um, what was that? These other the guns of Navarone, the, all of these <laughs> other World War Two movies where they always have to go into like a, a dam. A dam. Yeah. There's always some dam or other which feeds the power to somewhere, which is where the anti-aircraft gun batteries are, and yeah, it's there's always a battle at a dam. So it's it's very cool this one. But he doesn't just it clearly is a few more repeats to find this dam. And then Yeah, yeah well there's the montage of her dying then. So 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 there's kind of like yes. he comes back empowered and then she's she's like, We've got to get off this beach, but they have this whole montage of him saying, Go left, go right, yeah. and then yeah, twelve o'clock and yeah. and you but have it, and to then, be specific. You have to be specific, you know, and they're communicating. And, the, and, he, and he's, every time, and this is the thing, like we've come from that montage before that British invasion of him dying, yeah. time out, like her killing him, to then he keeps seeing her dead on the beach. You know, so yes, they get over one hill and then she gets annihilated. And then he gets over the next, you know, she gets over the next hill and she gets annihilated and the helicopter falls out of the sky. And, you know, so she can't get off the beach and... That's what they're kind of at a point where they're quite frustrated about. They can't get off the beach, and I guess that's what the aliens were doing, right? Like you just said, what were the aliens doing before that? Every advancement the humans made might have pushed them back, mm. but then they got to reset the day and say, "Oh, well, they come this way, so then attack them that way." And yeah. that doesn't quite work, so we got to come this way. And tomorrow we'll come back and we'll send everything to there. You know. Mm. Um, so, but then finally, there's a point where they do get off the beach. Yeah, so they 
they sort of managed to get over the last yeah, June. Yeah, that last June, June, yeah. And then they're there and there's like a campgrounds. And he says to her, we've got to get a car and get out, get the hell out of here. Um, you go for the caravan, but disconnect the caravan. Oh, well, she says, geez, it looks quiet. He says, yeah, until I ambush us down there. Yeah. <laughs> he says, which ones have we tried? Well, we've tried the thing, the, yeah. the minivan, the green SUV. And so I'm like, the best one is, is yeah, the caravan. Yeah. Make sure you disconnect the caravan. Yeah, yeah. Got to remember that it's just dead weight. Yes. And, um, of course, <laughs> it's a great setup, isn't it? Because she gets that and she gets rolling. He gets, what does he get? He gets some he's, other supply. Well, he's um, distraction. So he's yeah, setting right. off the, the green SUV so that they come for him. Yeah, yeah. So she gets a chance to get away. That's right. And then she, of course, ta- and then he hops into the car and she hasn't disconnected the caravan. No. So they go fanging it through this caravan park, this old derelict caravan park. The aliens start popping up, and um, she's got, she's towing this caravan, and there's one in the back suddenly, and has to fire it and blow the car apart and blow the camper van apart to get rid of it. And they do, they succeed. Yeah, and they get out on the op- opening road. Once they're on the opening road, this is where again it's going back to earlier in the film. To me, there's a nice time jump because we haven't felt like they've gotten off the beach so much, even though he implied it. But here he starts talking to her and revealing stuff and she's denying what he's revealing. Yeah, I was but, thinking he's probing. Like, and you yeah. know her name is Catalan. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't find you. You're looking for your brother and yeah, you end up finding him there and he says, no, 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 that's not and true. She keeps denying it. But I think the thing was on this viewing for me, it was like, no, he's already done this. Yes, exactly. He's, <laughs> and he was he's probing for her middle name. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, I think, yeah, he's probably just gone, yeah, so have you ever been here? No. You always end up talking to me and yeah. you tell me this story. But it's clever, right? Because it's kind of like when you do think about it, you're like, oh, so how many times has he already lived this? And, he's already lived it more think, than he's us. Get, he's getting bored here on the same thing, yeah. so he's trying to progress it to the next bit, yeah. learn yeah. that bit more information. Yeah, which I, I quite like. Um Anyway, they get to this kind of uh, the pe- the car runs out of petrol. They get to this farmhouse, and um, you know, there's kind of you know this this is where it's a little bit, I guess, the romance scene that you know he's revealing that he likes her a bit more than she likes maybe him. She's more well, just mission she, focused. She's just met him. Yeah, no, um, for about a day and a half. Yeah, whereas he's, he's not. But again, unlike Groundhog's Day, where it feels like there's a relationship. He's kind of had the relationship, but we as the audience haven't quite had it either. We're a bit more on her side. Yeah. It's, it's a bit newer to us. Where he has the, the coffee. Yeah. And then three sugars. Yeah. And she's like, hang on. <laughs> where are the keys? You've yeah. yeah been here. You, you know how, more. how come you know so much? And I'm sort of thinking, ah, they've already, you know, yeah, yeah. slept with each other, as it were, at some point. No, it's actually, yeah, he's, yeah. he's already found the keys and. Yes. He explains that they can't leave here. Yeah. They should just wait for the day or take the car or whatever. Mm. And she says, no, we've got, to take, we've got to fly. He says, every time you get up in the helicopter, you die. And she's upset because he's, I think he's he's found that chink in her armor. He's, he's learnt more about her. She's at disadvantage. Mm. Yeah. And it's reminding her of uh, a relationship the same relationship I think she had with someone when she was at Verdun, which mm. is, I can't remember the guy's name. And Harvey, I think, Harvey. Yeah, it doesn't really go into too much no. what happened, except you get the idea. 
she was having the same thing where she basically kept spending so much time so intimately with this guy and then of course he died mm. and she got out of the loop so had lost her opportunity yeah. and so she's frustrated going on oh, no, he's going to fall into the same trap yep. he's, so I'm just going to have to get him out of that yep, That's, yep, that was yep. my thinking of why yeah, yeah. she went because logically she should have gone oh okay well let's come up with a plan of how to get either the helicopter or get out of here just, yeah. but no she goes for the helicopter trashed killed Mm. And he he ends up dying too, doesn't he? Mm. Which is why which is why we get to the one where he where his flash through is in his um, suit again in the helicopter, and he's drunk. Yeah, and he's oh why are you drunk? And he's like, hey hey Cage, yeah, there's a dead guy in my suit. Yeah, he finishes that, and the person's like, oh, okay, and then yeah. The whole, I, I, I mean, he preempts someone else as well, and they're all sort of looking a little bit creepy-eyed. <laughs> and he, he, but he goes down now. Now he does the whole beast thing without her. Yes, he just goes and does the he whole mission, d- 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 the whole yeah. thing, and gets the helicopter and flies because oh, he knows it. where this. Uh, I was going to say the done is this this is this hydro power station. Yeah. I can't say the word dam. <laughs> <laughs> a big concrete wall with a river behind it. What's yeah. that thing? Thing you dig food with, a spoon. Yeah, so he he flies off to this dam, which again it, it looks just like a setup to a World War Two movie. That coloration, yeah. you know, that dawn sort of bluish light does, does flies it. in and he lands and he he sneaks in because it seems behind the major front line there's not like just aliens just wandering about like no. in World War Two movies there were like there were German soldiers or just local people yep. civilians wandering about doing their thing you know like yeah, living yeah. or surviving or, yeah or helping the soldiers right or doing whatever yeah so yeah. but this is just these things just seem to bury themselves and mm. wait yes and so he's creeping through and he creeps up creeps up and he gets to that part where you can see the light and that's the, the his vision showed that omega was that's down there. The, yeah and he walks up and he looks down and it's not there it's empty and so he backs off a bit confused mm. and I, I remember yeah you, you, this is that thing and you feel you feel confused yourself you sort of go ah oh. and of course when you really think when you go oh yeah it is a little bit soon to have the ending yeah yeah like but it could have still been there and, yes. then, and then had something else happen yeah but no it's some sort of an ambush yes and you know one monster jumps up one side and then an alpha comes from yeah. the other side and he immediately pulls a gun and tries to shoot himself in the head like it's just this reflexive suicide which yeah. is a frightening concept I wonder if he, <laughs> he gets over that reaction instinct something bad is going on I'm just going to shoot myself yeah. <laughs> but the alien knocks the gun aside and like it just grazes him and he falls down as a pool mm. of blood and the alien looks at it and he goes ah the alien's trying to bleed me out yes yeah yeah because yeah. I think the implication being that if he dies with enough blood in him mm. then he repeats yes but if he's like gets enough of the blood out of him. Yeah. I assume it's got alien gizmos in him. Yes. Then, yeah. And so then... And he'll yeah. just die and then the alien's in control again, right? Yeah. And so then there's like this, this rather vicious sort of escape thing where the alien's trying to grab him and get him and it smashes through the pipes and water starts filling up. And I mean, what a horrible way to die drowning. Yeah. But it works. It works. He, he wakes up. And Back this time, when he goes and tells him, he, he reveals that 
Uh, I know. Oh yeah, he he reveals that it's not there. Yes, it, it was a trap. Yeah, maybe Verdun was a trap mm. as well. Mm. Mm. And they keep picking up this this object that old um, Doc Strange, whatever his name is, <laughs> Noah Taylor's character had, had been hanging on to before, and they reveal that this was a a copy of a prototype mm. that was supposed to key into an Alpha's blood and yep. reveal the location of the Omega, but it's been taken. And conveniently enough, it's in, you know... It's the, back in the Ministry the of Defence, Gen- the General's, General's Office, which yeah. is... Yeah, it's a convenient way of reducing the number of locations that you have it to is. film to. But it Smaller also, budget. It also allows you to follow with the theme of looping back mm. to his previous encounter. Yeah, yeah, And so now we get this looping, so now they're not trying to get off the beach, now they're trying to get into the office. Mm. And we finally do see that we see a, a, a couple failures. Yes, but then we do see the one where they finally go in, they count one, two, three, they jump yeah. to the side, come out, turn around. It's a little bit more like a spy film in that bit, right? Yeah, like, it's like take three steps, turn to the right, yeah, take three steps, turn to the left. Counts out how long. Walk behind, hide in the elevator. In yeah, yeah. And then he's in the general's office. And even with the general, then he's like saying, oh, you're going to get a phone call from your buddy. Just tell him that it's okay. Tell him he forgot so-and-so. Yeah, and he gets the the phone rings, and so he talks, and he puts it down, and then he goes, "Oh, your secretary, just tell her that you know you forgot about the fuel loads," and yeah. then she walks in. And he kind of talks, so he's being very, very certain. The general's confused the whole time, and uh, Blunto is kind of like, you know, we should get out of here. It's not really working, and he goes, "I've never gotten this yeah. far in the conversation." Well, yeah, he, yeah, he says, "Yeah, I've never got this far," and then he says. What I'm going to say is going to sound crazy. And he, mm. he basically springs the thing and says, yeah. Explains it get, to him. Get the thing out and give it to me. Yeah. Uh, it's going to work. Yeah. And so the, the generalist kind of goes and, and gets it out and goes, well, yeah, I, you know, why should I do this? This is, well, why not? Yeah. Type of thing, you know. And so the general gives it to him. Yeah. And, and then, then he looks surprised because he's like, oh, you know. Never gotten this before. Okay, so now what do we do? How do we get out? I, I don't know. So we're now seeing the, the the one where he's like, no, no freaking clue. Yeah. And so <laughs> they kind of walk out of the office, but the general's pulled the same deal as yeah, yeah. before, as arresting him. This time there's guns to arrest them. And yeah. so uh, Rita whips out her pistol and shoots him in the head. Yeah. Is, again, it's quite, she's very quick to pull that gun on him. Yes. But I guess the thing is, it's if you don't get that chance, yeah. like What's you know, the if point? you take him hostage... How long until he dies? Then, like maybe That's he right, won't yeah. die. Maybe it's too risky. And then, so we get the next one where they get it, and this time they've gone out into the gar- garage yeah. and they're driving some car and speed out of the garage. But to tell you the truth, I'm surprised though that he didn't. Um, he jabs it in his leg and goes, "Ah, oh, it's in the Louvre in the underground parking." Why did she not then just immediately shoot him in the head? Yeah, like. Because then you go, okay, bang. Because we're, we're trying to get, we're doing this escape thing. Like, what yeah. if you did escape? Yeah. Where are you going to go? Like, you, you're being chased. It's like, and doesn't it also give you, like, then longer? Because if you then wake up the next day, you now know we don't have to go back to this place. Yeah. You've we done just that. now focus on the Louvre. But maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that's not quite so hard, easy to think of at the time. Yeah, that's so anyway, and they, yeah, they, so they have a bit of a car crash. Yeah. And well, they're attacked by those soldiers, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they they, they get stopped and yeah. 
Uh, old old cage gets taken to the hospital. When he wakes up, he wakes she's got up, the blood transfusion. Got the blood transfusion, and then you go, oh no, okay, <laughs> he's lost his power. And and that's important, of course, because it it wouldn't be a very interesting movie, I suppose, if he kept that power all the way up. No, and that, and and you know what, spamming all the way up until final death. Of this the kind of movie, that's exactly what happens. They got to they got to get to that point in the climax where they lose their power. Yes. They, they just lose their power because otherwise they haven't learnt anything. Yes, exactly. And, right? And, and they say in this context, it's a blood transfusion. It's a beautiful thing that they did that where, yeah, Rita turns up and is about to stab him. He goes, no, no, I don't have it anymore. And she sees the blood transfusion. Yeah. And the realisation that, okay, now things are going to get difficult. Yes. Because we don't we have much relay. time. Yeah. And we're, yeah, we're kind of trapped and cornered. But they, they managed to escape, of course. Yeah. And off they rush back. And they have to convince J Company. They go, who are we going to find to help us with this? Yeah, and he's like, J Company. J Company, they're all crazy. Yeah. And so then he uses his, his knowledge. He says, oh, you're this, you're that. Yep. Your name's not really Ford. It's so-and-so. Ford was the name of the guy you fought with. Yeah. He died and took his place. And he sent checks back to his mum or something. <laughs> I didn't quite understand how that arrangement works. He, you know, it doesn't really matter too much. And... They say, and why should we believe you? Well, it's not me you're going to believe. And then he walks Rita, who then convinces them, essentially. Mm. And they'll yeah. go, this sounds pretty bloody crazy. Uh, let's do it. Let's go off to the Louvre. And so they get in the plane and they're heading over there and they're all a bit, you know, unsure about it all. And they head to the Louvre and we, we're coming over Paris and it's and all they, they flooded. And they have to do it, I realise, in this one, mm. because if they did have the power and repeated, would not the Omega realise what their plan is? And yes. Because yeah, right. they fly over relatively unmolested. Yes. Not yeah. until they get right, right up to the, yeah. the final bit where they're oh, inside. So it's not expecting that it knows that it's in Paris, right? Yeah. So they get there yeah. and they're coming in on Paris and they do get attacked then, you know, as they're coming into the sort of land and they they end up crash landing a bit, and there's you know all the aliens ground troops attack them. Um, a couple of them get killed. A couple of them save them. They then realise that oh, they're well. This is the other beautiful point because uh, Cage, so he's lost his magic time powers, mm. uh, which means he's got his last chance. And then yeah, he, if he falls, dies. He dies. He falls out of his plane, losing most of his troops that he had and the plane that he had, the, yep. the helicopter thing. And then he falls down to the river, yep. presumably the same, and he has to abandon his power armor yes. and his big guns. Yep. So he's he's basically stripped one by one. He's stripped of each of these external influences, which... Yeah, and yeah, each of just his, two um, years at the start. Because you get this in James Bond, isn't it? And James Bond gets gifted with his magical items at the start. Yeah, yeah. And one by one, he uses them through the movie mm. until he's left. It's just James and the final um, difficult situation. He doesn't yeah. have a little gadget to fall back mm. on. And it's it's even the same as, you know, like it's mythology. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're talking about uh, Hercules or uh, you're talking the, about the Jason web, the Argonauts. Yeah. They, they all get given their gifts, the gods. Uh, I can come to you five times and yeah. help you. And you're, okay. This is the last time, and then they up to then they're on their own, and that's what is, and I that's what I really got out of this scene here, which I loved, is that yeah, his troops are taken from him, his helicopter is taken from him, 
His armor is taken from him. Yeah. His big guns are taken from him, and he's left there with Rita Skeeter. I keep wanting to call her Rita Skeeter. <laughs> my daughter's starting to read Harry Potter, so she's so that's in my brain. But yeah, he's he's trapped there with just what he's learnt along mm. his way, mm. and that's what I mean. That that time looping was his process of personal development through. Mm. As, as you said, the, the foreshadowing it through combat has mm. leveled him. He's he's grounded now. He's mm, he's yeah, understands yeah. the value of life. He realizes yeah. the sacrifice that's been made. Yeah, and then we're left with just a handful of dudes. The Australian fellow, kick. Well, Griff or whatever his name is. The the perfect question there, sorry, is that okay? So yeah, he's ta- you you've just said it. He's taken away. They've taken away his suit. He's plain. He's his protection around him, right? And his magical power of like dying and waking up the next day. And he's not quite there that to succeed in the mission. No. So old cage would run because that's what happened at the start. Oh, absolutely. Can you go into D-Day? No, 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 no I'm not going to D-Day. So here you are the same situation. You, D-Day is over the other side of the river. You don't have much men around you, you don't have the best weapons, you don't have the best ideas, it's just pretty much going to be up to you. And he could run, right? he could run the other way, but he's at this point now from, he's the opposite to the start, isn't he? He's now, no, no, I'm going ahead, who's coming with me? Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, he, he realised that there is nothing, running doesn't achieve you things, yeah. it, running delays or mm. avoids only temporarily. Yeah, so he's learnt his thing. So, yeah, anyway, I think there's a couple that have died and, and then they're like, he goes, well, we could get, it's a last-ditch effort, isn't it? So it's like, well, we can get this plane to, we don't have to go up in the air again, we just need to kind of jump across the river. So we can get the plane to jump across the river um, and a couple of the dudes go, well, we can stand and make sure you get off and they do, the Australian guy, and uh, they just start firing on all these aliens and gives them enough time to launch and they get annihilated, just sort of see them get wiped out. Um, and there's an, the other guy forwards on the plane with them shooting, and then he gets annihilated. Uh, and then it's just, um, yeah, the two R- of them Rita left. Rita <laughs> and um, Cage, and he takes on that fight, and they're attacking the ship, and he's blowing the crap out of the ship. But they kind of make it to the other side, don't they? And right on top of the Louvre, they crash into the Louvre. Through the, the pyramid. That pyramid thing, and they flood down. The whole place is kind of weirdly flooded, which I, I don't quite understand. But anyway, well, It's, that's it's below talking. ground level. So Yeah, okay, well, fair enough. Whatever, I'd say. it's all a bit flooded. The, river, and, the river's getting in there, I suppose. Yeah, the river's in there and whatever. And so they get down below, and um, there's, a, there's an alpha straight away. And so they're hiding. Because if they kill the alpha... They'll just reset and reset the day. Yeah, and then but the alien but will also yeah, reset. Alien will know what happened, but Cage will reset and will try to do this again. Yeah. But he won't know. He won't know the result. That, right? that this yeah. is not yeah, you know, that this is the not the first time. Yes. And so then they, they do have a moment together as a couple, you know, and she kisses him. So it kind of connects to the fact that He's known more about her, you know. He's mm. he's no he's learnt more about her, but she kisses him, and she's again. You know, I think maybe she realizes that for closure of her relationship, where she had grown to like this guy, mm. but he did, only knew her for a day or so. Yeah, she goes. Well, 
I didn't get to say goodbye to him. Yeah. So she says, okay, well, I'm going to say goodbye to you. Yeah. Because you're going to be in the same situation I was at. I'm going to be dead. Yep. We're probably both not going to get out of it, I think she says. But she didn't want to be in a situation, I think, where she died and he lives on knowing so much about her, you know, having such a personal relationship with her. So so she does. She kisses him and, you know... And she thanks him for getting her this far. Yes. Which is kind of... It's an interesting line. I don't think it makes... I I think it's one that you've got to think a little bit about. Mm -hmm. Like, it makes a lot of sense when you've seen this film, but when in the heat of that moment, because she she basically thanks him and then takes off, and what she's saying is that in her one day, he's come in and they've found the alpha, which is something that she had been hunting for a long time. Yeah, validated validated her... Yeah, yeah. Alleviated her fears, because she she was going into this D-Day thing thinking... It's just this. Yes. Maybe she was thinking, perhaps I can find another alpha. Yeah, just, yeah. I don't know how I did it the first time, but maybe, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah. And then he came along and gave this opportunity. Mm. She gets that vindication, validation. That's right. Revenge, then they've, they've actually gotten to the because they she didn't get to the Omega. Remember, so no. it's like now we're at the Omega. In fact, it may it may well have just been a pretendy pretend thing anyway yeah. as well. Yeah. So she takes off, and the alpha takes after her. So it gives him time to kind of sneak past and head down to the water and he he dives in. But in that time, the alpha kills her. And he knows that, he sees it, and then he starts swimming down to the Omega. And this alpha is like suddenly like a great white, hey, like hits the water. <laughs> it's Just, chasing down and he's like, there's no way he's going to make it to the Omega. And, and then the, with that, he's pierced through the yeah, chest. The tentacles whip out. Yeah, and um, so he hasn't made it and he's got this kind of belt of grenades in his hand but he's he's dead. He drops it. And he drops it and he's floating away in the water and this thing goes down into the big Omega. You see the pins that he's managed yeah, to pull. Yeah, and then he, as he rotates around I think he's actually got all the pins. So yeah. this grenade then goes off and the Omega gets blown up. They all get kind of smitherized don't they paste yeah. but of course and, and this was interesting of course that it fills the whole blood area with all of the blood of the omega and the alpha yeah. and icefoot and i didn't really think about it the first time i watched this but mm. after watching it this time because this then it fades to black with cage being engulfed in the blood blood and explosion you know and then he wakes up in the helicopter where he was coming in into London, London, and it's all different. There's this yeah. bells ringing, there's a celebration, and the announcements made by the general basically who says, I "Don't know what it signifies, but there was a big burst of power, and then it's all silent. The aliens have all gone silent. Yeah, we've not come across any, and the troops in you know the Russians and the Chinese are just walking into Europe. Yep, and yeah, I mean that's, I mean that's basically it, right? Well, it's just that, and then he and then he goes back to Heathrow, and he sees the J squad. They're all happy, happy la la. Yeah. Uh, they're going to go to D Day, but it's not quite the same. Going to be the same oh, D Day. Yes, that's right. And, it, it, and then he finds Raski as well, and she's doing that weird training thing, and she doesn't know him. Yeah. She doesn't know him for a bar of soap, and he just chuckles and says the same thing. What? There's something on my face. Yeah. And yeah, he has a bit of a laugh. Which you can ima- you can imagine that it would be pretty easy for him to say. Yeah, the war's over. We did it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you'd know that. She'd go, oh, that is... That's possible. And that's 
that's possible and it would also be like this like it would be like I don't remember anything being yeah. done but see what I was saying that made sense to me here and I've really thought about it, is the Omega can the Omega really die mm. because if yeah I'm, I'm not sure like so in this instance for example the Omega exploded and obviously the blue blood mm. and also and so Cage looped back mm. but who controlled this loop back because mm. the Omega, as soon as it looped back, it went, okay, well... I'm going to die. Yeah, I die and that, that last loop has me dying. Yeah. So that's not a loop I'm going to continue doing. Yes, I yes. Think because it happened or like in that one take. Yeah. So it doesn't know what killed it. Like there's no. just some dude somewhere there at the Louvre with bloody grenades. Yes. So, so it, you know, it... It's well. If I do this loop again, that's just going to happen again. Yeah. So I just need to get the fuck out yeah, of the so, loop. <laughs> so basically, these guys never. Lose. We need to shape shift on that day. So that's the thing. You you said before he he wakes up at uh, Heathrow in the morning of the training and the battle. Yeah. Why is it that time? Is that when the aliens get ready for their battle? So it's the same here. Does it then loop back and the alien that alien the Omega would wake up and be like, oh. Later today, some dude's suddenly going to blow the shit out of me. Yes. So we need to move now. You know, yeah, like we like just need to get the hell out of here. This the this planet is no longer viable. Yeah. Like let's just get the hell out of it. It's gonna, or we'll just move away from this location. Let's try not the Louvre, but the uh, old Paris train station. <laughs> I, I have a feeling the alien just goes. This yeah. This, I don't want to die later. Maybe, so maybe this doesn't happen anywhere else. Like yeah. In their memory that they've landed. Mm. Maybe, because I think as Rita at some point says, maybe it's just humans are compatible in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, they don't really know why they got infected mm. and are able to time loop. So maybe other places don't. Yeah, maybe. that's right. The, the dominant species don't um, get able to do this. So, but in, in any case... I like that the, the Omega, yeah, it vanishes. So I'm just wondering, is this the case that Omegas have landed and if they do get overwhelmed and they're going to die, they actually just go back? They just go back a couple of days leave. and then leave. <laughs> and they just go, okay, well, well, we'll just go to somewhere else. Yeah, we'll try another planet. And it's interesting because they, they mentioned how many millions of these spore asteroids floating through the universe are mm. there, which does lead open to a sequel. Yeah. Really. Well, but then the thing is what we're talking about right now, like as I said, like, it if it wakes up and goes, oh, shit, later today, Tom Cruise is going to come in and blow me up. I need to move locations. I think that's what the director was implying for the sequel, that they would, it would be a prequel sequel. So it would be possibly before this story. So we'd go back to maybe so the, the aliens al- land and they're taking over. The alien would lose jumping backwards through time. Yeah. Until... It first arrived, and it just goes, okay, this is not a winnable planet. <laughs> this planet's yeah. not cool. I don't like or it. Or it just then tries a different, different. the whole thing, it tries it differently. Uh, well, yeah, you've got like a TV series on your hands. Yeah, because then it could just be like, well, when we landed, we landed in Germany. Why don't we land in Australia? Yes. And try from there. Oh, crikey, it's dry here. Yeah. <laughs> but we've got an advantage. We've got like a solid land mass, which is surrounded by water and they have to come to us and we can just hold them off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, that's the thing. Let's try that battlefront. Now, I, I, I'm much of the opinion that the Omega sort of said, uh, 
it's cut his losses. He says, goes, no, gonna, I don't want to fight Tom Cruise ever again. I'm going to die at the end of this day. Um, I don't want to die next time. I'll Yeah, change. I'll just... Because it, it's probably not worth it. It's just, there's other planets. Yeah, true, true. Okay, so that brings us to the end. What, and you can let us know what you thought happens at the end there. Is Sorry, right. Does the Omega just piss off? Yeah, is that enough? <laughs> What will be the sequel of this film? They keep hinting that there will be a sequel. So this leads us into the latter. Has it already been a sequel, but it flopped? And so they keep coming back to try and figure out how to make the sequel work. And they just haven't yet done that. Oh, my goodness. Do you know there would be so many Hollywood producers out there that would love that to be possible? I have a feeling there are a number of films. (laughs) Was that one? uh, Chaos Walking? Didn't they do that? They basically did the first take of it, put it out to... Test audience, test audience said, we don't like this. Brought it back, got um, oh, Spider-Man got, boy, what's his name? Garfield. Put it into the cupboard and shut the they got, door. Well, they got, they got Garfield back and shot some new scenes. Right. Put a new cut out. It's like about six years of reshooting, re-shooting and, yeah. and re-editing and kept showing it to test audience. You go, no, 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 no. Finally, they released it. Was it I think we've polished this. Um, this turd enough. This turd as much as it's going to get. <laughs> so I think, and that was the Omega dying section mm. where finally they ran out of loops and they said, well, we, we've either got to put it out in the cinema and hope it just makes money. Well, this movie made money, but it off. your premise just there for Hollywood producers would be the ultimate business case for them. Oh, you mean we can just keep testing this film <laughs> until it's perfect? Oh, oh yes. my goodness. We'd never ever get a proper film ever made, would we? I don't think. No, no. one would ever take a punt on anything. Because no. this would be a failure. You know? Oh, you only made $180 million. Oh No, we want a billion, you know. Um, but anyway, that leads us into the ladder. So this is kind of the regular ladder. For me, sorry, I am putting this one in around number 12 um, after Paul, which is an alien invasion story of a totally different take, yeah. <laughs> and Passengers. I think if you watch this film between those two, that would be quite good because you kind of go from Paul, which is sort of the homage to the old school UFO alien invasion idea, you watch then, and a bit of comedy in there, you watch then this, which the narrative is very different. As we said, it's that temporal breakup of the narrative. Mm. Um, and it's much bigger and grander and action-packed and Tom Cruise doing his thing. And then you go into more Passengers, which, again, does have the time factor in there, but it's a little bit more about humans in space and that ethical question. I think they would be kind of a good little trilogy of films. In that order, so yeah, I'm I'm bringing this one in on my ladder on about the twelfth rung. Well, here's mine, and this is an interesting take. I'm bookending it, so okay. I've got Oblivion. Yeah, and one thing I, I liked about Oblivion, why I put it as number one that you should watch that one, mm. yeah, is because the story evolves it's so nicely, it's yeah, so it does. naturally Oblivion's true, great. and it keeps you interested. Watching it for the second time that I watched it, uh, I I'd sort of forgotten some of the little details. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you watch through it and you, and you get to the end and you just have that feeling like that was just a really well-executed story yep. with great acting. You, you had Morgan Freeman and you got yeah. Tom Cruise and um, Drones and who's the other fellow uh, that's in it? I can't remember. Anyway. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I can't remember either. Go back to him, listen to our thought, episode about Oblivion. You get through this whole list and you, and you, you drop off the bottom with a... Um, the Space Between Us, a teen yep. love story. And then you're in the edge of tomorrow. Fair enough. So it's, it's like a, a repeat. You've got Tom Cruise sci-fi, 
with, with just like this, this great, well-written, tight script mm. right the way through, teen love story, and then just as you're sort of coming off that teen mm. love story feeling, you're into this another Tom Cruise action sci-fi film, which is, again, it's just got this really great pacing of the script. Really, It's a really great script. I love I'm quite jealous of the way it does it. You know, it, yeah. each of the parts really plays so well. I the, think the so. The middle yeah. with the aliens coming through. Every time we get, you know, uh, an increase of tension and stakes, and then everything's stripped off him. He's got to come to terms. Wins a day. That Fantastic. would be. That's how you end it. Great. Space between. I like us it. Into the edge of tomorrow. So Tom at the top, at the and stop, and Cruzy at the start. Of the then end. you go back to Oblivion and yeah. start from the top again. Start the whole loop again. Was well, it's forty-seven films or something rather mm. in that? Not 42. 42, 42 of the regulars. Regulars. And that's what about an hour and a half in each, or two hours each. Mm. It's about eighty hours. It's I mean, it's like half there. a week. <laughs> half a week, and then you go through the classics. You, you're going probably about four. Five yeah. days worth of continuous f- filming. Yeah, you'll, you'll be crazy by the end of that. I think you would. You'd you'd lose your noodle a little bit like Tom Cruise in this film. So that's excellent idea. I like that. And so let us know what you think about our ladder. I mean, are we on the right path? We will be publishing these, and we do have a special episode coming soon about the ladder. I promise it's coming. It's coming. We've talked about it for a long time, and we're gonna. We're going to get there, sorry, where we really break down the ladder. Um, so we'll come back to that in the future. What about the science in this film, sorry? Is it something to do with the time loop? Is it something to do with aliens? Is it something to do with both of those creatures coming together? Or the what blood. Is the no, it's not the blood. It's not yeah, the, the blood. I love that shot. Don't you love that shot where you get splattered in the blue blood? I'm sure the director's like, yeah, Tom, just lie there and we're going to splatter you in some blue blood. Yeah, we're getting Mark Regan with his shotgun to we're spray gonna you. We're going to spray you with some blue Mark Regan shotgun. Okay. No, it's it's the exoskeleton armor. What I like uh, that. Yes, yes, it's yes. It's a great temptation in sci-fi to go, you know, full armored combat gun yeah. suits. Of yeah, course. you got Pacific Rim, which are obviously big, great, huge, tall robots. But if someone says, we're going to have power armor suits for the military mm. in this sci-fi, it's easy then to have something that looks like a walking tank. Yeah. And in reality, they've gone with a far more realistic view on this one. Like They look like actual technology that we have developed yep. and we have today. They work a hell of a lot better than what we have today. Hmm. But it looks believable that you could imagine if you had, you know, five to ten years, as they always say, five to ten years Hmm. of motivated research Hmm. and development, you could probably get something that would be helpful. Yeah. Because, you know, the military has been looking for exoskeletons. Yes. And the reason for this is is simple. I see it as being, it's it's that marriage or that parallel... Uh, development between artificial intelligence and robots. Mm. So you've got artificial intelligence and we have some forms of that for like, you know, image analysis and detection mm. and uh, even things like, you know, drone flying and a few of those sorts of things. But yeah. They operate in like a computer, a box on the ground, you know, a room full of computers is running some sort of algorithm. Yeah. Then on the other hand, though, if you want to have like a, a robot, like you sort of see like C-3PO or something, you know, it walks around and is artificial intelligent. Mm. At the moment, we can't marry those two together. 
Yeah. Because we can't fit a room full of computers into a you know a, a humanoid robot. We can stick it into a car, so you have self-driving cars, which are getting better all the time. They're still mm. kind of a bit. Still a long way a away from crappy. actual. They're still yeah. five to ten years off before we have fully proper, fully self-driving yeah. cars. But, uh, but you can build these two technologies in separate streams. Mm. So, just like uh, if you're going to look at before we had self-navigating drones, mm. you had an aeroplane with a person in it. Yep. And there was no computers in there. They had like uh, a stick which had wires going out to the you know, levers and pulleys and ailerons and mm. throttles and all the rest that they needed. And the human brain was the intelligence driving it. Yes. And so rather than having a an android robot-y thing walking about the place self-intelligent, mm. we'll just make like the shell of it and stick a person in there. Yep. So you can still have all of the brilliant advantages that humans have. We're so terribly adaptable. We have intuition. Yeah. Uh, we have, um, you know, interpersonal relationship and communication, which allows mm. for, uh, you know, much you know, synergies of mm. actions yeah. between people. You fly a plane, you, you have the ability to understand depth and, um, you know, spatial awareness yeah. and, and the ability of like, oh, we're in the sky, this is serious, we're going to take, you know, you can't just crash it. Um, yeah. Of course, you know. Of course, you could come to work on a bad day where you found out your wife was cheating on you and deliberately want to crash a plane. But you know, most of the time, most humans are rational in that. No, we want to fly this safely, and so they use their brain accordingly, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And so, so we rather than building, we can't build the robots, mm. but you can say get a human has start having some of the capabilities. Yeah. And then in time, you would then take the human out and have like a robot. Yeah, helper, and that's like the self-driving and car. You slowly take slowly away. Just, the, the human leaves the driver's seat and becomes a passenger. Yeah, yeah. And so we want to have capabilities like carrying heavy objects. Mm. In the military, uh, I've never done it myself, mm. but I'm assured that they often have to carry heavy amounts of equipment. Yeah, way back to the Roman soldiers when they yeah, were, of course they were marching, they would have to carry. Yeah, you know, their their shield and their sword and their pilums. And what and about they, those catapults? I mean, who and then pushed they have that? To carry their <laughs> spikes, like so. When they would set up camp, they'd each be carrying two pole spikes, yeah. Yeah. which they then have to dig a hole for and stick in and make a little fortress around themselves. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's a lot of stuff to carry. There might be weight. 20, 30 kilos of yeah. equipment you got to carry, and that tires a person out. Mm. And so, if you have to fight at the end of a day well, you're not going to be very fresh. You can't really do it very well. Yep. So we want like a, some sort of exoskeleton so human can walk along and if they do have to fight, they're still kind of fresh. Yes. Because this uh, exoskeleton has been doing it. Mm. And as we saw in the movie, you could also then take advantage of the fact that you can carry more weight and you can stick you know, more computers on there and yeah. the fancy swivelly predator guns that they had on there, which yeah. which seemed pretty useful to me. and. Yeah. and and fighting aliens, of course, you need heavier, chunkier guns. Yes. Uh, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the, the military is very interested in this, but then civilians as well. Mm. In particular, uh, warehouse workers. Mm. So they do have some robotized warehouses, but again, it's kind of specialist. The robots are pretty dumb. Mm. If the packages aren't in the right position, the robots just fail. Yes. Humans, though, can walk along and go, oh, it's meant to be here. It's not there. And they can yeah. sort of look around a little bit and go, oh, someone's put it. Oh, let me see. Yeah, 15, let's stop and let's 15 start again. 15A. Oh, 
wonder if it's at 51A. Yeah, and they go, oh, yeah. there it is. Yeah, yeah. Robots have trouble calculating that. Yeah. That's like not, a, unless, unless they have some reason to think that programmed mm. into them, they won't. Yep, 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 yep. But then robots can carry a lot heavier weight. So your warehouse workers will want to be able to pick stuff up and, and not break their backs, which happens from time to time, or, or urinating bottles, which you know, allegedly occurs in some warehouses for mm. some people. Right. <laughs> some people pay extra for it. <laughs> but you'd think this is just a modern thing, like something really recent. And mm. indeed, some of them are really recent. This goes back to 1965 mm. when General Electric created the Hardyman Ooh. powered exoskeleton. Mm. And it was this. I think Adult Shop sells this now. <laughs> no, that's the Hardyman. Oh, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, the Hardyman. And it's not so much exoskeleton as it is massive bone. <laughs> but. And so it's an exoskeleton that looks a bit like Ripley's, you know, power loader that she yeah, kills, yeah, fights yeah. the alien queen with. We so seem to be obsessed with that type of it's, it's exoskeleton. It's kind of a big thing. And to be fair, back in 1965, the the control equipment and, and yeah. circuitry server was a bit clumsier than it mm. is today. Mm. But it was it was this big thing. It weighed six seven hundred kilos, mm. but it was strong enough to mm. lift about six hundred and eighty kilos. Yeah, is what right. it could do and shift it around. The Interesting question I have for you, though, is let me put for you this scenario. Imagine this sort of powered skeleton that can shift and move 680 and enough force to shift itself, which itself weighs 700 kilos, and shift another 700 kilos. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine if when you tried to move the leg, both legs at the same time, the entire machine was racked with uncontrollable, violent, jerking movement. (laughs) You can see the flaw in the design here. You can, yeah, they yeah. never worked out that bug, and so they never put a human being in it uh, because they were terrified that they would rip a person to pieces. Yes, yes And yes. this, of course, reveals one of the downsides of this sort of development yeah. is that when you're dealing with, you know, you're making it stronger and able to move more things. So if you can pick up 680 kilos, you can apply that much force. Huge amount of force. Way yeah. more than a human can. Yeah, yeah. And if it moves too fast, the, the poor the human inside is going to be <laughs> it's going to be wrenched quite badly. Yeah, it's going to rip off the legs. And the stronger you make the suit, the heavier you're going to have to make it. Yeah. So if it trips over and bumps into someone, you, you'll squash them. That yeah. thing weighed 700 kilos. Yeah. If it tripped over, you would crush people to death yes. instantly. Yeah. So yeah, they they kind of gave up on that, but. It was, it was a but good it, idea. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because when you're saying some of that stuff, I am thinking of the car, right? Like the car weighs a ton or two. And over time, it's weighed more and more. Um, and it's squashed people. It's run over people. And yet we, we've kept making cars. Yes, but it runs over people in um, a controllable and understandable way. <laughs> It's just like, interesting, isn't it? It's interesting when we I, like everything you just said. There, I'm like, yeah, it makes so much sense. Like, it would rip someone's legs apart, right? So it's so dangerous. And then you're exactly right. In a factory, isn't this great? It can lift these massive amounts of weight, like a forklift, mm. but be more flexible, and it could stack. A human could do it, but then if it just happened to like trip over, <laughs> it could just squish people. But then I'm like, yeah, but you know what? A car, 
a car takes people out, you know. Well, what it what it does, but mean, anyway, of course, but I'm car, just I'm but just cars being cars also enclose humans, and yeah. when humans start walking on freeways, they do get squished, yeah. and so they're not supposed to. Yeah, same sort of thing. Like, so if you've got humans working in amongst these, mm. you couldn't do it; it'd be too dangerous. You'd have to have them, but then you've got to have these armored, these big exoskeleton things, safe enough that you can have high enough control over them. Correct. Like thousands, millions of cars drive around every day without crashing anyone on. Yeah. Because they're relatively controllable. Yes. But here's an interesting one. So the uh, Tsukuba University in Japan, mm. they developed, well, this fellow, um, what's his name? Yoshiyuki Sankai. He mm. developed this invention. And of course, with the Tsukuba University in Japan, along with a company called Cyberdyne, in case you're interested, <laughs> they produce the hybrid assistive limb, mm. also known as the HAL. Huh. So, like, they, they, they're kind of courting disaster. I think they are here with these names. They've got that. They've got the HAL five. I think they've lost a bit in translation, haven't they? The the HAL five and <laughs> the HAL three. So, the open HAL, the doors. The hybrid HAL. assistive limb is actually in production. And you can get one now if you're lucky enough to be in one of these Japanese hospitals where mm. they're implemented. Yep, yep And yep. they are very sleek, fancy, you know, they're very smooth, very anime looking, or maybe sort of, uh, if you take like that sort of Apple iPod look, you know, mm. smooth, white, but then make it a bit japanese so it's a little bit more curved and not mm. so rectangular. That's what it looks like with blue mm. features. It's primarily there to help people who can't move themselves, so elderly, incapacitated, and it's used in hospitals and homes in order to provide some movement and therapy. Um, yeah, right. There are problems with, you know, it's not fast. You can walk a couple kilometers per hour, like mm. like as a slow shuffle. Mm. And the battery power means that you operate it only for like short periods of time. Yeah, right. Because Which is much better than what it used to be. So one of the earlier, oh, geez, which one was it? One of the earlier the robots. first HAL. Not the first one. <laughs> not by HAL. It was, it, was, it was an earlier exoskeleton anyway. It used 3.8 kilowatts or something. Mm. No, 6 point something kilowatts. Yep. Which yep. my motorbike put out that. Like is it my 250cc <laughs> motorbike put out yeah. about 7 or 8 kilowatts. So you're talking about like a, an internal combustion engine needed to run this thing. Yeah. They got it down to 3 kilowatts, which is still, you still need to plug that into a household power supply in order to run it. Yep. But yep. these things are now down to a much more manageable sort of 500 watts, uh-huh. which is, yeah, can put some, you know, lithium ion batteries in there and run it for a couple of hours. Yep. Which, let's face it, if you're, um, you know, paraplegic yep. and you can, you know, you can happily sit there at your computer typing away, doing your whatever, and you go, you know, I want to go get a cup of coffee. If, well, you know, but the it coffee's charged up, up. It's upstairs. Oh, what a pain in the bum. Well, you can actually sort yeah, of walk around and climb up, up the stairs. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could go out to a cafe and meet mm. your friends and, and sit and have a, you know, a social time without necessarily having to be aware of all of the accessibility options required, you know, yeah, ramps. Yeah, yeah. And, so it's, it's a wonderful freedom device and they will get better and, and better. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, the military is still looking to do it. That there's this a lot of weaknesses when you look at a military option. Yeah, yeah. Because a military one has to be very rugged. Yeah. It has to be really foolproof. Yep. As I said, you need minimal training to be able to use it. Like, <laughs> because if you're in a stressful 
difficult situation. You don't want to have to be thinking about how to take control of a potentially dangerous. That's suit. right. That's right. You know, so they and do. It's not a not the greatest thing to have the suit rip apart your own soldiers. Yeah, like that's like, bad. Is morale. there advantage? <laughs> <laughs> is there advantage? You know, more advantages for that versus them just being soldiers. You know, yeah, you know? rather than just. Just, you know, I don't know, give them a wheelbarrow to carry their stuff. You know, yeah. it's, it's probably a bit safer. Yeah. A little bit funny looking, but it's been done in the past. Yeah. But, yeah, so so that's it. I mean, until we can overcome, as a few of them, so the musculature, so actuation of these things, if electric motors or hydraulic pistons, yeah. they're, not, they're not good enough. They're too slow or too powerful or yeah. too fast. Human muscles are really amazing things. So... They're made of lots of little fibers with nerves running through them. Mm. And then when a signal gets sent into them, some portion of these muscle fibers release, uh, you know, I, I can't remember what it is now, please. Uh, I, I learned this obviously back when I did my um, personal training. But it you know, releases one chemical which causes some of the fibers to contract. Yeah, and so does, they move it? together a little bit. And so the nerves pulse and that sort of, how fast they pulse determines how many of these fibers contract and how quickly they contract. Mm. So you can very finely graduate the force you provide. So you can easily pick up like a, a, an egg without crushing it. Like humans don't even have to think about that mm. because mm. the nerves just, just a little bit of a pulse, yep, and yep. pick it up, no worries. And then you can crush it if you want. Yep. Uh, you probably don't because it's a bit gross. But you know, trying to program a, a hydraulic system to do that, mm. to get the force feedback, to then just pump just enough hydraulic fluid in there. Like, it's it's really slow. Yes. The humans can pick up eggs. Really, we can throw and catch eggs yeah. without any troubles. Yep. Trying to get the same level of accuracy in a robotic system that has to operate in conjunction with a human mm. is really difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you end up with these slow shuffling kind of things because... You don't have that control. Yeah. And then the power systems is the other one. If, yeah, I mean, we even saw it in the movie here where he runs out of power and he's he's stuck. He's yep. dead on the field. Yep. Literally. He gets killed by an alien shortly after because his battery's taken out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they had to leave their, when they found that helicopter, they had to leave their suits in the yes. field. Yeah. And maybe if they didn't stuck. have to do that, maybe they could have taken the helicopter. Yes. But yeah, yeah. Out of battery power. So battery power and our best batteries just aren't good enough for sustained no, the batteries usage. are still a long way away, aren't and they? And there's a oh, fire risk. So stuff. If, you're, if you pierce a, a lithium battery, mm. there's a, a good chance it'll catch on fire. And you know what? If you're a, in an armoured power suit on a battlefield, the risks <laughs> of being pierced are very high. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of... But these things don't matter if you're a warehouse worker or if you're otherwise disabled. No, that's right. Like... Oh, I can only work at walk at three kilometers per hour, as opposed to sitting motionless on the ground. Well, yeah. I'm going to choose three kilometers per hour. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, it'll only last for an hour and a half uh, with between recharges. I, I can plan my day around that. That's right. You know, and it, even like being charged, possibly like wirelessly in a one set location. You yeah, know, so like a, it could it could possibly yeah yeah so it, it could actually be um you know in a factory or a workplace or a home where it's just constantly being charged yeah. and so it doesn't really matter you know like about the power source yeah uh, and then that makes it lighter or 
as you said, like within a workplace, it could be like similar to a forklift that you constantly are plugging into a power source. And so therefore, oh, we need to lift that. Oh, out it comes. Do, 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 do. We've just used it for 20 minutes. Out it, it goes back. You recharge it. Yeah. And then you're back doing other stuff. Oh, we need to use it again. But the whole time it's just kind of constantly yeah. on charge. Yeah. Well, it's So this is not far-fetched science fiction. Like, mm, yeah. There's, there's really demonstrations of people using these things, obviously not as you know, acrobatically or amazingly as in the movie. Yeah. But it's it's just a matter of time before it is like that. Exciting. I want to know that because as I said, there's AI has been developed alongside this robotic. Mm. Are we going to get to the point though that by the time we get the robotics so good that uh, you'd have like an armored suit, we actually have AI good enough you put the AI in the armored suit and mm. don't bother putting a person in there. Well, that's right. Or, or it would be in there with the person um, and the person's basically sort of the the passenger or the higher function. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's 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 not that far off. I think we just mm. need a few better materials, and we're getting better with our materials all the time. Yeah, and some better battery power or or something along those lines. I'm not sure we'll see it for military action too soon because mm. of all of these. It's it's much easier just to tell a human to pick something up and move somewhere because they can make. That's right. Yeah, it's. Much cheaper, really. It's much cheaper. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, uh, I don't think it is that far away. But like this movie stipulates, you kind of need a motivating driver of some of this technology to for it to oh, jump yeah. that. And, well, that, you know, the thing is we've just seen the Richard Branson thing into space and then the – is it Bezos? Bezos that, yeah. yeah, the Amazon version into space. And no matter what you think about any of that – the the thing with that, and and Muskie's not far behind them, um, you need that commercial drive on some of this, or yeah, an alien, an alien invasion where the governments go. Yeah, Do you know what? We just need to pour everything. Were developed out of World War One. Yeah, in World War One. They started to use sort of airplanes. I had that. They've had blimps, but yeah. airplanes were just starting to come in, and they're really realizing how very powerful they were. Like. For one thing, for example, they they managed to start uh, taking over some of the artillery roles yeah. and you know observation. Yep. And so there's a lot of development into that, and tanks. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Came out of that in World War Two. Aircraft became indispensable, and in yep. fact, basically saw the end of battleships. Yeah. Battleships became useless because you'd have an aircraft carrier mm. would then just launch a bunch of airplanes, which would fly up. The battleship couldn't engage them yep. until it was too late, and then the the airplanes could drop yes. torpedoes or bombs or yep. and then even even whatever. technology like uh, the video camera. We all walk around with a little tiny camera in our back in our back pocket, the mobile phone. Uh, you know, the American mil- military are the ones that pushed ahead with like a video camera device. But where it took off was when they literally could say. Well, that technology can be a home video camera in the eighties, mm. and they Sony etc. and other companies made it into you know mum and dad, hey, film your kids and all this sort of stuff. And of course, what that does is it makes a supply and demand marketing uh, commercial chain that of course encourages developers to go, okay, well, here's the video camera. What how how would we how can we sell more? You need to make it smaller. You need to make it more portable. You need to make it cheaper. Oh, okay. Well then that's what they do. They keep doing that and that and that. Same with anything you're talking about here. 
these robots and stuff, yeah, there's danger and involved and whether it works in military or not. But then it's like if you could say, yeah, everyone that's a paraplegic, anyone that's older than the age of 50, you could have this, like, machine in the house 50. helping you. <laughs> I'm just saying, sorry. You know, but it could be there to help do a lot of those other yeah. physical labor jobs. You go, oh, yeah, we want to buy one of that. You know, and as soon as you get that kind of marketing supply chain, these technologies take off. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, like, you gotta, you and that, that's what I meant by Bezo and Muskie and Branson mm. and stuff like no matter what you think about it, whether this is just a ridiculous amount of waste of money in space, but you need those investments so that there is those technological breakthroughs because otherwise they're just there's not a need for them, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that's my take on it. That, well, that, that's, that's pretty much it, isn't it? <laughs> you need either the military or government to go, we need this device to be developed and we're going to pour millions of dollars into it, or you need a supply chain. Yeah, you, yeah. you need you need a, a home audience yeah. large enough who suddenly say, you know what, internet streaming, that's the way to go. We want yeah. broadband. And we want it faster 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 and we want it smaller and we want it quicker and we want it faster and we want it littler and we want it in our hands and I want to be able to do it all the time. I want to be able to do it on a train and I need that around me all the time. And you need millions and billions of people wanting that and then suddenly, well, yeah, the companies pour money into that. Simple, yeah, because, well, there's a market there to pay for it. Okay, well, that is freaking amazing. It is. Just like Edge of Tomorrow is amazing. So Edge of Tomorrow, for sure. It's a great, fun, entertaining movie. As I said, grab a bag of popcorn or whatever it does for you. Sit there. Whatever boats you float. <laughs> pump, the, pump the stereo right up. Get Tommy in your face. He likes to blow shit up in this movie uh, with... Surrey's mate Blunto, Blunto. and uh, you know she swings the axe and does some yoga poses that will get you thinking twice about an alien invasion and uh, yeah you just it's just a very enjoyable this film this movie so hit us up let us know what you thought about Edge of Tomorrow uh, and what we've talked about it where it is on our ladder what we think about the science, what we think about the narrative construction, did we miss anything of real importance to you, find us on our website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tiki Toki, and anywhere else pretty much out there. Probably email. It's probably an email floating around somewhere. If you live in Mandry, you might recognize me from <laughs> some of my photos and say hello. Yeah, say hello to Sorry. Don't stalk me. me, though. Yeah. Yeah. Fine, sorry. Uh, the film festival, make a sci-fi. Have a go. Maybe make one with a weird narrative structure like this one. Or not. It's up to you. As long as it fits that realm, we talked a bit about what is sci-fi tonight and why this film is a sci-fi. Think about your own film. Have a go. Make it and submit it. All right? So, again, go to our website, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. You'll find the links and submit it. If you've got any questions, hit us up. And that will do us for this time. Next film, sorry. 2067. Ooh. How many people thought I was going to say 2012? No, it's 2067. It's an Australian science fiction film. It is. Uh, I read the one sentence blurb, which made it sound a little bit time travelly. Okay. Uh, I, th I think it's like someone is going back in time to try mm. and do something. I've not but seen this. I've heard some different reports online about it. Um, I'm the, I did see a trailer for this, uh, a few months ago and I didn't, it didn't look Australian to me. 
So I'm really excited to look at this and and see where the filmmakers took this. We that that I think the last one we watched Infinity blew our socks off. Infinity was fantastic. Um, you know, a real low budget sci-fi that just looks like this massive thing. We've had the privilege to speak to Luke Spark and watch a couple of the Occupation films, which again, Occupation the sequels doing astounding. According, uh, you know, out, according to Luke, and out there in the world, it's breaking some box records, box office records, uh, VOD records, whatever you want to call it, streaming records in the US at the moment, getting lots of critical acclaim. They're calling him the Michael Bay of Australia at the moment. So, you know, good on Luke Spark. So, yeah, I have not seen this film, so I'm going in completely blank, and I, I'm pumped to watch this. It looks, it looks good. That's it's exciting. Uh, I've, I've read the one sentence blurb. That's all it takes for us at Space Brains to then go and have a look at what's it's, good and what's great. It's going to be great. Okay, until next time, I will catch you later. Bye-bye. See you.